Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. We have the usual crew here today. I'm the host. My name is Brian Vitali. With me, I've got Josh Torres. Hi. Hello. Adam Vitali. Hello. James Glazio. Hey, folks. And Chow Min Wu. How's it going? It is our last podcast in October. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be November, unless you're on us right away. Uh, and we've had a couple major releases in the end of the month, uh, starting with The Divine Force, which, no spoilers, is going to be uh, the headliner for discussion for this podcast. So a lot of interesting discussion to come forward on that. But we have a few announcements, some trailers, some uh, games that we are looking forward to next year as the January-February timeframe can continually more and more crowded. Uh, like so how you a bit of things subtitle to for, for, for to refer to it. Yeah, like no one knows what the divine force is until you actually say uh, what, the, what is it referring to. <laughs> oh, uh, Star Ocean. Sorry, like a Star Ocean <laughs> Six. Are, are we going to call it that? That's not its official. I mean, they, they, call, they call it Star Ocean Six in Japan. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. They, All right, the number there. All right, so yeah, I, I've had an interesting time with Star Ocean Six so far, uh, being that I have not had a chance to play it, but uh, seeing how the PC port uh, is working out. Luckily, it sounds like both James and Josh have been able to put some time into it, and a few, I think a few others have it kind of on their short list. That'll be the discussion here, and maybe we'll do a follow-up discussion next week or the week after as more people get to it, because it just recently released. Uh, we had a couple other releases uh, that are not quite in the RPG sphere, but we'll talk about them anyway, because who's going to stop us? I think James has planned on talking about Bayonetta 3, which is a recent release of pretty high profile, and a few other games that we've been uh, poking at throughout the throughout the week. Star Ocean 6, Star Ocean the Divine Force. We're just going to start with this. So I believe that Josh has had the most chance to go into this. I wanted to play more of this game before the podcast, but uh, it took me like two hours to not two hours that's probably embellishing it took me a long time more than i thought to uh to compile the shaders for this game on the pc port which supposedly seems to have a lot of issues um but i haven't had enough time to really poke at it and see what those really look like but we'll go ahead and hand it off to uh josh who have you also been playing this on pc yeah i've been playing it on pc i my my compiling shaders definitely did not take that long mine took like maybe 15 20 minutes max um you know may maybe it was 15 20 minutes but it just felt like two hours because i was impatient <laughs> yeah obviously that was it yeah um so i mean like both of us have pretty beefy pcs so for for i i guess we can't speak for like the general like per like you know for the mask consumer who might have like underpowered pcs like i have a 3900x cpu and 3080 gpu so like my, my my time of the game, like PC port wise, like you know, performance wise, is in pretty good for the most part. Like compiling shaders took you know a little bit of time, but after that, it was like it's gonna happen for everyone. They even like like gave a warning on the Steam forum saying like, hey, you know, first time boot up, we're gonna compile the shaders you know right away, so it won't have like the Elden Ring problem of like trying to compile shaders as you're playing, you know, because then if you didn't do that, uh, if you didn't compile shaders like upfront. Like it'll have stuttering as it's trying to like compile shaders as you're playing, you know. Um, like Monster Hunter Rise does the same thing of like first time you boot that up on PC, it'll take some time to compile the shaders on there too. So, you know, I'd, I'd rather that be all upfront rather than it, try to do like the Elden Ring solution of like trying to do it as you're playing, just kind of really annoying. Um, but uh, other than that, you know, uh just straight up upfront, uh, performance-wise, you know, we talked about the the demo of Star Ocean Six when it released on consoles um, a few months back, 
and I did not like the console performance of that game at all. Like uh, we talked about, like you know, it was it was the demo was inconsistent... only on consoles, right? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was very it was a very inconsistent sixty FPS that often dipped to thirty FPS. Um, because, because of the VSync uh, implementation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you know, you needed to have variable refresh rate to kind of mitigate that issue and so forth. So I was like, I hope uh, I was really crossing my fingers. Like, hopefully the PC port is okay. And you know, th- thankfully for my on my end, I can't speak for everyone because everyone's PCs are different. But for me, it's been pretty damn smooth uh, at 60 FPS uh, with not not a lot of uh, frame drops uh, here and there. It is uh, way better than the console performance. Um, I, I really, really, you know, was glad to see that running smoothly, like at the at the air, early areas where it would dip on consoles. And um, just generally, I've been I'm like maybe twelve to thirteen hours in, so I have about like yeah, about six playable characters, uh, and it's been really fun like i don't think it's like a great great game but i think it's a really solid good game like a really fun time and you know people you know throw around that uh this common term this common phrase that we've seen a lot lately of like oh it feels like a ps2 era game or this game feels like something out of the ps2 for 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 better and for worse like you know you you heard that a lot of that talk when soul hackers 2 came out about how like that game structure how that game you know, when people played it, how they felt it's like, oh, it feels like so, like an RPG I, I would play on the PS2. First, for some people, that's good. For some people, you know, uh, they say it in an endearing fashion. And in some ways, you know, people say, oh, it's like a PS2 era JRPG. And th- this this game fits that build too. And I, I say that very endearingly. Like, I think this game has a lot of problems in its user experience. Um, for example, um, when often uh like throughout the story playable characters will go in and out of your party um like say like since this game has that dual protagonist system that was in star ocean 2 you can pick raymond or leticia um or leticia um sometimes like you know when they uh when their narratives uh diverge and then when you meet back up and get those characters back in your party like their accessories are auto unequipped like uh, they you have to like set accessories every time like uh, people are out of your party and then they rejoin you and like that's annoying because you have to remember like what uh, what accessories did i have on this character or like another thing that's that that's kind of bothersome is like whenever characters are like having banter out on the field um you can't open up like your map or your menu you have to wait for their like banter to like finish or for to pretty much do anything like, you can get you can go to battles you can like use your their duma flying robot to kind of go around but you can't actually like during that downtime, you can't like go like check the map and say, "Hey, I want to go here next," or if I like while they're talking, maybe I should go rearrange some, like upgrade like my character skills, for example. Like that'd be a good time to do it, but it won't let you do that. You just have to wait it out, and it's kind of annoying in that aspect. So there are like definitely user experience stuff here and there, but in terms of like general gameplay and flow, um. It's it's pretty like solid. Like getting in uh, in and out of battles is very fast. They go by very quickly, and it's a very fast paced. You know the the having that Duma flying robot uh, being able to like kind of use that as like a flight mechanic to like uh, to dodge and to like kind of glide around and go to your next target like almost immediately um, is really fun and uh, and it, it's it works very very well. Um, so there's like not really like a lot of da- downtime in battle 
um, once you start getting I, used I have, to I have a silly user experience question. Yeah. So I had only seen the opening cutscenes, uh, but as far as I can tell, there's no way to quick skip dialogue. You either skip the scene or let the dialogue play out. Is It is depends it on the type of scene. Um, there oh. are some scenes where like you have to wait for each and every like vo- voice line to like play out. Um, and then there are some like um, private actions, which are like conversations with your characters, where like you could actually skip the dialogue. Because um, usually just... I'll just wait until I just read through it, but I won't let the voice line play it. I'll just skip to the next one. But I don't yeah, want to skip cool. the scene entirely. Right. Uh, there, there are like uh, there, mostly you'll run like choreographed like cutscenes that you can't skip it. But then there are some times where like uh, okay. you you engage in dialogue with characters out on the field, and that that's the time that you can like skip dialogue during those conversations they remind the, those like sections remind me of like star ocean 5 like star ocean 5 like do a lot of a lot of like scenes where like it was still in gameplay but you were like engaged in conversation so it was like a unique cutscene with like camera cuts and so forth which was really kind of made of uh, added on to it being like a very bland game in my opinion like very just dull um you know experience but um there's there, there's already a lot of like I, I like how varied each character is in this game. Like I thought I thought I was gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna like I, I chose Raymond, uh Raymond's story to start because I, I was like I kinda like this character's design and and uh seeing, you know, um where it goes. Um and like I, I you know, your standard like um, uh sword fighter, uh brawler type of character. Um, you know, no 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 like and it's no, nothing necessarily like crazy about him but like if you want a standard like you know swordsman experience you know you, you go with raymond but then like you have uh stuff like leticia uh she specializes like with her dual swords and she's very like a like a spell swordsman almost you can like imbue her uh weapons with uh, an element to expose weaknesses that she has like a lot of like very fancy like combo strings that you can uh put into her, her attack layout so she's uh plays very differently then you have like a Albaird or Albaird. Albaird. Um, yeah. Uh, who is kind of, you know, he has like those dual like uh, rings, like the Shack Rams, and the, very much like the, your first spellcaster uh, of the group. So, like, this, like, in the first, like, you know, uh, hour or so, you'll like get to tinker around with these, like, your, these characters. But then you'll have like, like, more interesting characters. Like, I, like, for example, like, Nina is like your healer of the group. But like the way that like he, she um, manipulates like character positions on the field is very interesting because a lot of her skills are like for to like is AOE based. So she has like uh, buffs and healing that are AOE based. So like they really depend on like characters sticking together. But then you can learn a skill with her that like teleports characters nearer to her immediately. So like you can actually manipulate like the positions of like characters like on the go. And she also has like a really funny skill where like uh, well she'll like push at like an enemy or an ally like off of her and like it'll actually do damage if like if like that that the the character or uh, enemy that you push like impact each other and it's like and the, and the skill's name is just called bam in, in all caps which is you know very um amusing or like the um, the character that I, I like to play right now is elena um and her and her skill set is very cool because she has like this hybrid weapon that like shape shifts into different weapons like mid combo so it's like her weapon could turn into a gun or it could turn it into an energy sword or into a scythe or into a lance you know and it's like there's all done like these are all individual skills that will just like 
meld together in, uh, in one combo and like that's really fun and like it and seeing like you know how you can experiment with that is you know it's it's very cool that like this game doesn't really like hold your hand in terms of like um what is like the right way to play it's very much like here's a skill tree but when you hover over like a, a like a a skill it'll show like a mini clip of what it looks like but it's up to you to really like kind of connect the dots of like okay this is how i want to like customize my play style um and, and that's really uh fun and gratifying to like you know to get that level of customization and freedom and like without the like the game like holding your hand telling you what to do which i i enjoy a lot and and just the, and, the, and generally like i like a lot of like the kind of like the the whimsicalness of the of the of the flavor text uh, uh in the in the menus in this game like a lot of like the skill and item descriptions will have like really fun like flavor text to them they're like so it's something that i don't really pay attention to like in other uh, uh rpgs because like you'll have just standard item descriptions they're like they'll tell you what they do it's like okay yes of course this is what they do but like this game kind of do- does that um thing where like it'll tell you what it does but then like sometimes it'll have like a little like um descriptor at the end saying like for example uh, you'll get another mage later on and uh one of uh their skills is um uh it's like a, a fast cast um so like uh, there you can uh fire off their spells faster once you learn this and like part of the item description or the skill description it will will say that like you know it it uh shortens casting time and then at the at the very end it's going to be like uh everyone loves like a motor mouth in their party you know so it's like <laughs> so it's like i okay, think my favorite it. thing about that one character is that the way that it works with the vanguard system you can start a spell cast and then when you do a uh, va rush it'll instantly finish the cast like after you're done with it which is really cool yeah, the, the the Vanguard system is like the how you interact with like the Duma flying robot in battle. So like when you rush into an attack like with some of the characters, like that's called considered like a Vanguard attack, VA attack. Um and yes, and and just everyone has like their own little like unique way they interact with that. Like with Elena, like once she does her uh VA attack, it instantly analyzes the enemy so you know their 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 strengths and weaknesses, elemental strengths and weaknesses, like once you hit them once within that's like saved as well so it's kind of that's kind of your instead of like using like an analyze skill uh in battle that's the way you analyze enemies instead so it's more interactive and it's more free-flowing and you're not like spend an extra action like downtime in it and, and like i think that's just a general i think that's the general um like fun factor in the game for me it's like things just move and things just flow like your default run speed is very fast when you're gliding yep. around it's one, very one fast. of the very first things i noticed uh just barely games. starting the game is like it's really snappy yes games got that uh i love when we first saw like the original footage everyone was like man it looks a bit like xenoblade cross and it's like as you're playing it's like it's got that xenoblade cross movement system too it feels good <laughs> Yeah, there's there's no fall damage because you're going up like to crazy heights and you're, as you're gliding around with the with the flying robot, uh, you know, because there's like sometimes throughout the world there'll be like these floating like islands and platforms that you want to venture to because they might have chests or like upgrade points for this flying robot. So like you're really you know the exploration feels fun in it, and that's kind of the thing that I was worried about uh, going into. It. It's like well, 
you know, you have these tools like will they make like venturing off like fun? Like will they actually like design the world to make use of like being able to glide around? And it's like, yeah, they do. They do a pretty damn good job yeah, with it. So I like generally so far, like there are like this is definitely like a game that like it is fun, but also know what you're getting into um, when you get into it. I, I, I'm curious, James, what, uh, how, how about you? Uh, how have you been liking it? Uh, I call it JRPG comfort food, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I'm sure I'll probably agree with uh, what uh, Scott thought, and I, I believe he gave it a seven, which it like, I think... Sometimes I say that there's some like games that I would personally give a seven that I enjoyed more than maybe a game I would give an eight. I know that doesn't make any sense, but it feels like this is one of those games. It's like it's like the, the seven spectrum is like seven point one to like seven point nine. <laughs> like to be clear, that. Scott hasn't finished his review yet. Okay. Uh, never mind. I, I got confused. Um, but yeah, most of the review scores have been around seven. I think I'll agree with that on paper. It's just. Um, yeah. And I think Scott's shared a few of his uh, thoughts on the game, like in our like staff discord, but he yeah, hasn't formally published anything. But if you're hearing all this talk about scores, about sevens feeling better than eights or whatever, the text is always the most important thing, of course. Um, so and I do kind of agree on principle where like you, you can easily see the flaws in the game and then you can't just ignore those because they don't bother you or whatever. But like even when, when I barely started this game, I saw kind of the, some of the same criticisms that were very evident in the trailer in the trailers for it, which is a lot of the um, just visual presentation. The uh, the mocap's not that great. The the I'm I, I'm going into it with the English voice acting, which I don't know if that's a smart idea. Uh, but the lip flaps don't match very well. But I will say that just the English like dialogue itself, just like the line reads so far, actually seem pretty good, and I'm actually kind of surprised on that. Uh, when he's pl- dub- VA is really good. I've, I've been yeah, playing with the Japanese voices. I, I, I like the Japanese. Like, like I don't think you really like lose on like uh, what, what, whatever voice track you do. So it's nice that we have both. Like you know, uh, there are people here that are playing with the Japanese voice track and people with the English. I think Star Ocean Five voice acting was also pretty good. I mean, much much better than Four. Oh yeah, you don't talk about Four, but you know, <laughs> but I think I think I think this game. Uh, is probably uh, like you know, uh, a pretty much a significant step up, definitely from five. I don't think I've played for if I if I played for it, I don't remember much. Um, yeah. But I, I think You're it's lucky. way way better than five. <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, I I skipped five because I had such a bad experience with four. Uh, from and why am I playing Divine like, Force? I don't know. Uh, because uh, well, the main reason I bought it because I wasn't originally intending on buying it at launch. Uh, was uh, finding out just how much of a dire straight Triace is in. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there was a report I, about their financial situation right before the game launched. I know a couple of people that have uh, picked it up for the same reason, where it's like, oh, well, I'm not sure if I'll play it right away, but I want to pick it up to show support, which, I mean, that's... That's fair, you know? Yeah. You, you, want, you want to keep good developers alive, so... I mean. Yeah. Especially developers that we have nostalgia for, like early yeah. on in the game, some of the very first uh, like items you get are callbacks to like Radiata out stories. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this nostalgia. Stop preying on oh, me. No, like, no. There, there's a fun thing about the game. Like there, there's this a board mini game called Asoa in the game, and it's kind of like a, a, a modified D 
deeper version of Go. I, I'd uh, I'd say so. It's it's basically you have this grid, um, and depending on like the rank of like the player that you're going against, it could be like a four by four grid, a six by six, six and eight by eight. So uh, like you know high, higher rank players will have a bigger playing field to work with, um, and you're you're placing these pieces on uh, on this uh, board, and uh, these pieces have like a, a point value to them, um, that that'll take off hp of the opponents so let's say like uh i have 3000 hp my opponent has 3000 hp if i put down a piece that has like 100 uh points attached to it when i put it down um at, at once i finish my turn it'll do 100 hp damage to them so you're kind of building up like your pieces as you play this game and they all have their own like category types like you'll have a soldier type which is like if you put three soldiers down on the board you can get like uh, an additional piece of any type uh on that same turn um you'll have assassins that will take out randomly take out uh, an adjacent piece enemy piece that's like by them um and then you have berserkers that uh work best alone like uh, away from the pack well they'll, they'll they have like a high high point value but anytime uh an adjacent piece is placed to them whether it's ally or foe their attack value will go down and so you just you're just um you're placing these pieces down and then like once you position your pieces you are the enemy position your pieces that you completely surround an, a a piece of the opposing side uh, all pieces that are like within that zone that they can't escape from like it's an enclosed zone all those pieces are wiped from the board so you can like make like really big plays that can like take out like like half of the enemy's board if like you position properly um throughout the match how, so it's actually how are like you a really... incentivized to play the mini game so the 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 main incentive is the the pieces they have the so up uh pieces they can actually be equipped as accessories as well so you, you get them you once you get it like an asoa piece you can play use them both for that mini game and both as an accessory uh for characters and some of the effects on some of these asoa board ga- uh pieces are like really really good like r- right now i have like a an accessory that does like uh plus like 60% damage if like on back attacks and like there's like another one that's like a, a big attack modifier if you hit like a boss's weak point or like just general like big stat increase uh, uh increases and in modifiers as well so like seeking them out is actually like kind of compelling as well so not only are you like collecting these soa board like figures for like to like just enhance your deck but also because you also want to like get like good stat modifiers on your characters too. So they make like they made a good incentive to like engage with that mini game and like not like you can probably play the game fine and you know if you like ignore it completely completely um, and that's okay. But like I really liked engaging with that with that mini. You game know what this me. reminds me of? What's slightly? that? Uh, mm. Triple triad. Yeah, yeah. Triple triad is fun on its own. But also, because of this ability in Final Fantasy VIII to basically turn cards into items, there's there's also that additional incentive to play it, not just for the sake of the game itself, but because it kind of like feeds back into the actual main game you're playing. Yeah. Uh, in Triple Triad's case, you can get like items to form weapons and uh, magic. You can get like magic for the draw system really early and so on and so forth. So it's nice to have that sort of feedback loop. And, and also, like the, the nice thing about the so each of the Asoa board pieces is like they they have callbacks to other triace games, to other star oceans. You have like an edge maverick piece. Or, I heard radiata or, stories is 
also represented? Yeah, the, some of the very first items you get are those are the ones that I refer to very loosely. Yeah, the, like the pre-order like uh, bonuses, like you pre-purchased it, you get like uh, Lenneth, Lazard, Jack, and Ridley. Oh, Valkyrie. So Valkyrie profile and uh, oh, I, I got the, I got the standard version, and I didn't pre-order, and I got those. Maybe it's like oh, okay. if you buy it within the first week or something like that, you yeah. still get them. So yeah. early early adopter bonus. So yeah, I mean that's it's just been. So, like, I made a joke. Like, I think I feel I feel like this is like a Yu-Gi-Oh simulator, like a disguise as a JRPG. Because I, 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 go- I was actually going to say that it sounded like Yu-Gi-Oh. Like, I don't remember how Yu-Gi-Oh plays, but when you were talking about how the HP thing works, I'm like, isn't that how? Is that how Yu-Gi-Oh works? <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit of Yu-Gi-Oh, but it reminds like I, I feel like whenever I go to like a, a, a new town, like I just look at like the look at my map to see like who can I like duel or <laughs> in this town to like get their. Oh, she did Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> yeah, so like because because after you like beat a uh, beat an NPC once, like you like basically like get the rarest uh, board figure. So like you basically just like take their best card and like thanks third, <laughs> and it's like it's it's pretty funny like um. Uh, it's it's weird i think the 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 one thing that like is annoying that uh, once again another user experience problem with this system is y- there are ranks to a soa so like you'll start at like beginner and you want to like uh to you have to progress the rank you have to like uh challenge like an apprentice rank player and once you beat them you're now an apprentice and then after apprentice experts so you have to seek out someone who's an a- expert rank and then you beat them um you become an expert and so forth and like you'll know their rank because uh, when you speak to them, and like it'll tell you before you like challenge them. Um, but there's no indicator on the map after you've beaten them that says like, "Oh, you already like like finished like uh, winning against this person." So like you have to like kind of like keep like a mental note or like keep like a, a notepad or sorts to like um, keep track of who you've beaten. And also, it won't tell you on like the map like what the ranks are or the players are like um scattered across the map so like there might be like a master level six player at like at a, at a early town that like you just have to remember it's like okay if i want to like progress to master level six um i have to remember that this npc is here and then i'll come back to them later um to get to that rank uh, and so on so that'll be something that like i'm sure people will guide out over time and um kind of uh, notes saying like at this town you can find this person this person this person here's their race but obviously it's early days and it's just one of those things it's like it's a little uh, once again another just small tiny like user experience thing that's like un- annoying to deal with but like it adds up and and I, everyone will have um different tolerance levels about like how kind of bad the user experience is uh is in this game um the, the way uh, you describe that rank thing sounds like it like I feel, I feel like I've experienced that before, but I can't like place it. So there's some other game where you would like rank up in something, and then you'd have to like revisit old places to. Oh, now now you're finally giving me the opportunity to play these higher ranked players, but I don't remember who they were. Yeah, I wish. Yeah, I don't remember who it was though. But but it's I know I've experienced something very similar to that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I, I I'm very impressed with the scope of the game because like there aside from like the wide open zones and fields that like we were talking about earlier but like like even even the towns are like really fun to like navigate around because obviously you have like the flying robot to glide around so you just you're just constantly like immediately like going gliding up to rooftops and getting like the duma points and like any of the like collectibles that are out on the field like in towns and like it just there's like a lot like incentive to like explore around and like just 
there might be like like uh some upgrade points like around the corner and the, that's enough of an incentive to me to be to be like okay yeah sure let's go let's go check out what's over here and like they're they're structurally like built like be in- intriguing enough to like like explore to like higher places places that are like far off and usually they'll be like yeah yeah, yeah there was something here that's really cool um so I, i've been having a blast like playing this game and i'm like it's it feels really really nice there there are interesting quirks about it that i'm still kind of like i don't know yet like for example a, a big part of this game is like the blindside mechanic and uh usually in star ocean games like when you like get like the a surprise attack on an enemy or like you get them by surprise it's like usually called a blindside uh in, in the games like in this game um it's, it works the same way but since you have like this duma robot you can like instantly like kind of dodge out of their line of sight and initiate like a blindside like that in the middle of combat and when you when you blindside them they're like stunned for a certain amount of time and when you hit them while they're stunned you get more ap uh to your total pool of ap and these ap points allow you to like you know initiate combos attack and then once you're out of ap you have to like wait like a second to like for them to fill up again it feels pretty fast it's just making sure that you can't like combo endlessly so but um the there are some enemies like worms that do not have eyes so that it actually accounts for this saying there are enemies that you can't blindside because they don't have eyes um so th- th- like yet like the anatomy of an enemy is kind of important um that's kind of a cool attention to detail that they yeah. didn't need to do but they're like no this the the way this mechanic works in universe this wouldn't make sense if this actually worked on an enemy that you couldn't possibly blindside i do also like how there is like a kind of wrinkle to that where larger monsters like that chimera looking thing which obviously has a wider field of view you can't normally blindside it but if it's doing a strong attack which is denoted by it be- having like a red uh like kind of uh outline aura, aura, yeah aura. i don't know the, the correct way of saying it because it's mm-hmm. not quite an aura, but it's not quite now you know what i mean yeah yeah um that means it's like about to do a strong attack and since it's focusing everything on that attack you can catch it off guard then and blindside it then if you time it right which it i haven't managed to do it yet because like i'm a little bit overpowered with the pre-order weapon but um it's uh definitely an interesting uh, kind of uh, gimmick and yeah whatnot. The, the the thing about the ap is and it, it shares like kind of like this tales of berseria dna is like if you get hit hit uh with all this ap that you've uh, obtained you can actually lose ap uh when you get hit with enough with like with a strong attack um you do get it back way easily unlike unlike berseria so it felt super punishing berseria unlike here you can get it back pretty easily pretty fast but the the thing that's annoying is that usually when you accrue like extra AP in battle, this will carry over to like other battles. So let's say like you earned like five additional uh, AP to your max AP uh, to, to get a higher AP cap, and like that'll you know carry over battle to battle to battle. But you will lose this extra AP if like you quit out of the game and load a, a save, and you're back to stuck into your like your normal 5 ap limit and you have to earn that again just because you decided hey i want to like take a break and just reload my save and like that that isn't like saved um that way and also like when you rest at an in like it'll reset that ap limit as well so like there's like weird like limitations and restrictions to it um like once again it doesn't take long for for you to accrue that um 
but it is annoying when you like if you want to like like gather that before like a big like boss encounter or something. I know during the demo, there's a lot of people that felt really strongly about the AP system. Uh, based on the couple battles that I did, I agree that it just seems like it does replenish really quickly. Is there some way that it's implemented, like actually when you're actually like into the meat of the game, where it is inconvenient to a fault? Or uh, I, I just don't, I just saw a lot of people like absolutely detested it. I'm trying to understand their point of view is what I'm getting. At. I mean, I mean, the, the the first like half hour of the game feels like dog shit without Duma. I think that the, the game like really opens up once you get Duma and uh, once it allows you to do blind sides of that extra AP. I think uh, okay, there are there, there are definitely some boss encounters that you'd be very very careful with because they don't have like a lot of unlike normal trash mobs that like you can get easily uh easily accrue AP again from. Um, it, with boss encounters, it's a bit more tricky because, like how James was saying, some of them you have to like watch out for like strong attack patterns to like get their blindside. Like because you can't like blindside side them um, through normal means. Like there'll be like a big. I, I imagine you know as more people play and progress this game, you will hear more and more and more about this infamous bird boss battle in this game. It is one of the worst like grpg bosses i've experienced in a modern rpg in a while it is such a dog shit boss i will not is it called the hollow bird no no <laughs> um i hope, I hope somebody that got that reference i got it i got <laughs> it <laughs> okay um but you, you you know as once you see more people like progress this game they will talk about a bird boss and you will remember my words here and I'm I'm very interested to see what James and Brian uh, get to this bird boss and how they deal with it because it is the camera issues of that battle are so awful and like the general mechanics in that like what the game wants you to do and what you're actually doing and that and the boss patterns for it are like it's it's I found my strat I won't say what my strat is I I like I kind of quote unquote solved it through kind of brute forcing it but it is. Oh god, it is such a bad boss battle. <laughs> and that's before you get Duma. Is that why it's bad? Uh no, no, no. This is this way after yeah. you get Duma. This is this is uh oh, there's the this is, Yeah, there's the there's the there's the boss battle that introduces you to like the, the vatting attack mechanic, and that's kind of like your super move um when you like when you charge up a meter. Uh so you you'll know it. You'll know it when you see it. So there's like well, there's a little bit further into the game. But I'm I'm looking forward to playing more. I really like the characters. Uh, I I kind of I like the cast chemistry. They're, none of them are kind of insufferable. They're all pretty cool in their own ways. Um, and yeah, it's been just. I'm very interested to see where it goes. Like I, I think I have. Uh, I, I wasn't expected to like it this much. Yeah. Yeah. My main issues with. Go ahead, James. Uh, do we do we, um, do we want me to talk about the game on Steam Deck at all? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um. So right now, the game I would not recommend on Steam Deck, but it's only really for two major reasons. One, shitter compilation. Give it a few weeks. That won't be an issue because once the majority of the shaders are compiled, this game actually runs surprisingly well on Steam Deck with a mixture of like uh normal and high settings at 30 fps okay um just said on um one thing i would recommend is that the way that the uh dynamic resolution scaling works it's fairly aggressive but on steam os itself the 30 fps cap is good in game 
So what I would do is I would set the internal resolution to 1080p and then have it be prioritized frame rate because it has only three options for the dynamic resolution, 25%, 50%, and 100%. So it would be 540p, 720p, and 1080p. The game can handle 540p on Steam Deck perfectly fine anywhere. In most places, it's fine with 720p. So if you have it set to an internal resolution of 1080p and have dynamic resolution deal with it, you'll be fine. You'll still get like two and a half, three hours of battery life and the image quality will be better. Um, so I'd recommend that. Compiling shaders isn't fun. <laughs> that, won't, that won't be a problem again in a few weeks. And you can also, if you want to be really tricky, you can install Proton GE and then use a launch command to use a synchronous um, shader um, compilation, which instead of getting the stutters, you'll just have like pop in. Um, and that's a lot better if you want to deal with that. So like once the shaders are dealt with or you do like uh, the asynchronous uh, compilation performance wise, it's fine. And actually, I would say that it's a pretty good experience. The main problem, and I can't believe that Triace does not have a setting for this. Mm-hmm. is the is the font size particularly for the menus this game's font is so fucking small even <laughs> on like a pc monitor which is probably the best case scenario if you have like a decent sized pc monitor and you're playing at a desk that is clearly what the ui was designed for and it's fucked up because it's like it's it's like xenoblade cross like when you play that and it's like all the the menu UI is super like tiny. And yeah. if you're like playing at a desk, it's fine. But if you're playing on the game pads, an issue. Steam Deck, there is some text. Like you're you're going through like uh, the items to figure out. Okay, what do I want to use in stop mode? It's it's don't bother, don't bother. It's like for like if you're gonna play it on Steam Deck right now, just do it to like explore. Maybe grab some uh, Duma points. Oh, you have to play a solo. Yeah, or something like that. It's just, <laughs> just, um, I can't imagine that there won't be a patch to address that or at least have an option to make things bigger. I don't know how long it will take. I hope it happens because even outside of Steam Deck, like people are complaining about this. It needs to be fixed. <laughs> But um, I've I've heard people complain about the font size, both playing on Steam Deck or playing it on like they're playing on PlayStation Five and on the TV. So yeah, it's unfortunate that that is still an issue that a lot of games will run into because the games are developed on PC, but they don't have the um the option to make it conducive to play through on any other format other than at desk on a monitor. Yeah, it's um yeah like I said like this is it's a fun game, but it's a, there's like a list of caveats <laughs> for sure. kind of it's like yeah all of us have at least played one other star ocean game so we kind of know what we're getting no. into no you haven't okay never mind nope. i take it back james doesn't know what he's getting into uh before james talked about steam deck there was one other thing that i wanted to bring up but i don't remember what it was so i'll just hand it back off to james what was the one other thing and i know this isn't really fair to compare the two but so far i'm enjoying this game more than i enjoyed uh, tales of arise so me There's, too. I agree. <laughs> Actually, 
the, the bo- boss battles aren't sponges, you know. They're, the boss battles yep. are like they actually they actually like they take damage, and like you feels like you're you're actually doing something <laughs> during a, during a boss battle. So the I was exploration actually feels good. Though, uh, though there is no, uh, with the caveat once again, the bird boss battle star uh, in this Star Ocean is worse than any boss battle in Tales of Arise. <laughs> I'll give it that. Man, I thought that was crazy, but I played the game. So yes, yeah, I were to die. So yeah, and I know Chow, you've been we haven't talked about it on the podcast, but I know you've been recently playing through Tales of Arise. How do you feel about the boss battles? Uh they feel like they take forever to die, and I thought I just didn't know how to play the game properly. <laughs> no, that's what yeah. I thought at first. You gotta get, you gotta get good. Right, but I don't know. And now, when you mentioned it, I was like, "Okay, I guess it wasn't me." No, no, dude, I'm with you. I, I totally understand. Like, a, a lot of people understand where you're coming from. That's like uh, the number one issue I see people talk about with Tales of Rise. It's like the combat system in Rise is so good, but then you get to boss fights, and it's like, why does this take forever? Yeah, I agree too. Just chiming in, like yeah. if you figure out a boss's pattern, and you're doing totally fine, you're not going to lose. It's like, all right, now time to repeat this pattern like 17 times to win. <laughs> it's kind of annoying. But, uh, oh, man, I wasn't expecting us to take our t- discussion about Star Ocean and the Divine Forest as a chance to dunk on Tales of Arise. Which Tales of Arise, I thought, was fine. It was good. It, it, bad. it, it has very good production fine. values, that's for sure. Like mm-hmm. When I was playing it, I was like wondering... Man, if only Nintendo can port Xenoblade Free to PC so it can run like this. Only if Nintendo can port like any fucking thing to anything else. I swear to God. I'm thinking like when's Astral Chain gonna come to other platforms? When's you know Speaking of uh platinum <laughs> games that are Switch exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um before we move on to Bayonetta 3, since I think we're gonna have a larger discussion there, I guess just wanna make sure that we that we tie uh, Star Ocean in a bow. Uh, well, I guess it doesn't need to be the complete, completely tie up loose ends here because more of us, like I just installed the game this morning, I'm planning on playing it, and I think more of us are planning to play it before we get to the end of the year. But just wanted to make sure that everyone got their uh, discussion points in for experience so far on Star Ocean The Divine Force. I Yeah, I pretty much said what I needed to say for like for initial impressions. It's a, it's a very... Like I, I, I really dig it a lot. I think it's it, it's a personal like, like uh, James was saying, JRPG comfort food. It's something I just like that. It like it's mainly it doesn't waste your time. It you get to like playing it very fast, and you play and like gameplay. It goes by so fast in that game. It's such a it, it's a very fast paced uh, RPG that like yeah I, I don't you know things are just constantly moving and moving and. And like the narrative itself, the story itself is like interesting. Like I was like, oh, okay, I, I can. There are like the direction that the story is moving, like makes me motivated to want to see uh, more. And that's like uh, pretty pretty high praise from like the the, the the recent Star Ocean games, really. And that reminds me that the the thing I wanted to say that I forgot about was you had mentioned that you really enjoy the cast and the interaction. Not and on top of the fact that you think that they all have a unique play style, like Star Ocean Four, and Adam has said this multiple times. Like, is a fun game to play if you literally skip every scene. So if yep. Star Ocean Six is on uh, this on par with that, only you don't feel obligated to skip every scene. Like that's a win for all of us. So if you want if you want uh, production values, I guess go play Tales of Arise. If you don't care about that, then go play Star Ocean Divine Force. But uh, yeah, I'm taking yeah, your word there, on there, it. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely there's a definitely a game that's like it's you know th- th- there were some real production deadlines that had to be met, and you see like you see the you see the rough edges, and like for me, I'm used to that. 
So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. sure. You know, like I, it's annoying, but I'm, uh, you know, I play, I played a video game. I can deal with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, the, I, I can't wait to play more after this. And with that, we'll go on to the game that uh, James was transitioning into for the next uh, discussion on our podcast, which is not an RPG, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Uh, and that is Bayonetta 3, which also released uh, just a couple days ago. Um, so I'll just hand it off to James because I have not played a Bayonetta game and I don't know much about it. So I'm interested surely, to hear uh, what James's takeaway on it. Surely this will come to PC and it'll have amazing performance just like on the Switch. Right. Uh, when we see two first, this game locked sixty FPS isn't even a dream. It's just like this game's performance isn't great. Digital Foundry already uh, did their thing, I believe. Like docked mode, it's like a dynamic ten p upskilled to ten p. Okay. <laughs> and it's and the actual frame rate is uh, all over the place. Like there's definitely moments where it drops pretty heavily and. It's almost never a lock 60. Like, I'd say that outside of like the loading screens, it's not a lock 60. And there's many cases where I love 60 FPS loading screens or 30s. Um, I enjoyed it now. Mm -hmm. Now, just to be clear, this game came out yesterday. I've already beat it. Um, how long did it take you? 11 and a half hours. Okay, I kind of did rush it though. A, A lot of um, so. I'm so sorry, Josh. Uh-huh. The game's levels have that uh, open-ish astral chain level design. Wait, what? I th- they're not just like like stages, like the first and second one? They are, but there's more to it. And there's like, yeah, I mean, even in Bayonetta 1 and 2, there was stuff to explore. But Yeah, yeah, like, like, the, like, the, like, the, like, the, like the town, like the train rate station into that uh, town. Yeah, but there's way more exploration than this time to the point where it's like you have these... Um, you you really have to look to find like the ad, like additional non required verses and then um oh okay every stage has three tiers of blood that um that are attached to different like uh which familiar like animals like there's a frog there's a crow and there's a cat and you can like look for them in each stage and like the, the frog you can you have to listen for like a ribbit and then like it basically starts like ribbiting faster and faster the closer you get to it and then just pick up the tier it, does, it, does it feel like a tightly like designed game like is it like is this like a good or bad thing because i like one of the things that the thing that i like about bayonetta is like sure there like there are f- fights that you can miss in the game but like it's very easy to replay those stages and it, it, it feels like it feels like you're just like constantly moving as you're like learning new skills and like trying to master like new combos and moves and approaches like does it feel like just a well-designed like game to like play through? I will say if you're not going out of your way to find those hidden verses, the pacing is pretty good. Okay. My main problem is um and I and I know this is a nitpick, because if, if I want to replay stuff, I can just replay each like sing you like single verse to like try and get platinum tr- um trophies if I want to. But my problem is that Bayonetta 1, it was very easy to replay through full stages. And it was, you could just like hit all those additional verses on the way through it. Yeah, that's what I liked about it. You can't really do that with Bayonetta 3 because things are way more spread out. There's like platforming challenges you need to do to get to some specific verses. Oh, uh, also, 
I don't know if it's just hard mode of a level or if it's like actually remixed, but like if you get the three tiers of blood in a stage, you unlock an additional variant of that entire level. Uh, so, oh, okay. So like you like you have to like there's like additional like incentive to like get those to get like new yeah. like, new remix content too. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that conceptually. Like I'm fine with uh-huh. getting yeah. the frog, even though you have to search for it. So it's like again, you're you're basically pixel hunting. Um it feels like something that I'll just like open up a guide for and like see where these things are because that'll the just annoy me. Yeah. Yeah, the cat and the crow you also need to look for, but I dislike them because they start running away once you find them. And they run so fucking fast. You really have to be on their um on like right on them perfectly and cutting them off. It's not exactly Dude, fun. I just want to play a bayonetta game for the <laughs> Yeah. Okay, um, I, okay. Does this game like because I know like I prefer Bayonetta 1 over Bayonetta 2, even though Bayonetta 1 had like the stupid instant death QTEs. Like I just yeah. like the general flow of battle and like having your attacks like feel like impactful while while Bayonetta 2 um Umbral Climax all Yeah, the, the Umbral Climax and Wicked Weaves like were usually just like the answers to like every problem in that game because everything else like felt like they didn't do enough damage. So how is it with this game? It's... I feel like a lot of people in the coming days and weeks are going to feel the same way. It, like, on the surface level, it looks like it's better than uh, Bayonetta 2's uh, solution, which was just Umbral Climax all the time. The summoning demons to attack for you thing is basically the equivalent of Umbral Climax. And the way they kind of try and deal with it is in specific boss fights. If you don't, if you, like, if you abuse the demons, like, some bosses will just instantly, like, kill a demon, which means you can't summon it for, like, a couple of sec, like, um, like, half a minute or so. Okay. But by that point, you have three demons anyways, so you can just switch to another one, so it doesn't really matter. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, like, for, like for people who don't know, because like there's such a high-level conversation and we didn't really bother to introduce anything about this game, but like one of the new systems in Bayonetta 3 is like the, like the demon slave system, I think is what they call it, and like you, yes. can, you can use that to like summon demons like the, that will attack on their own uh, now. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what James is referring to in this entry. So one thing that is kind of neat, though, is that... Um, the combat itself is fun. There's like okay. a lot of depth to it. Uh, you've got way more weapons to play with this time. And obviously you have all the different demons. Uh, one thing that's interesting is that your weapons also change your movement abilities. Okay. All right. Like, um, like the first alternate weapon you get is these like set of flaming yo-yos. And it's also kind of like... When you get new weapons, you also get a new demon, and it's like it's kind of tied to it. So it's you know, like in in this one, like weapons are like your whole set. You can't like mix and match like your like your hand weapons and your feet weapons, right? It's no, like it's like, no, okay. it's a whole set. Okay. Um. So like the first weapon you get, besides the standard like punches and kick kicks and like the guns, is these yo-yos that you can also shoot out like webs, like spider web things, kind of like Spider-Man style. Okay. Um and also Spider-Man style, it changes your movement abilities where 
while you're dashing, you turn into kind of like a, like a half spider woman, kind of like a play lag from Demon, like Dark Souls. <laughs> yes, I was thinking of like, who was like the name of that Dark Souls boss? Yeah, okay. Um, and then when you're jumping, if you double jump, you can also like, if you hold down the B button, you web sling like straight up from like Spider-Man. Okay, that's fine. Once, um, All right. and then there's an additional thing you can do if you double tap the R button, it'll do like a kind of like additional dash forward with web swinging, but it's like not like a swing, but it's more like a, uh, it's like, it shoots out webs directly in front of you and then pulls you forward. Okay. Um, so there's like additional movement, things like that. And like each weapon has its own movement thing and you can, you can have like two weapons equipped at once and you can switch between them. So obviously you have different movement abilities that you can switch between on the fly. Do you, that feel, way. Do you feel, okay. So how many, how many weapons can you switch, uh, cycle through like in, in combat? Like how many can you like two? Uh, okay. You can only have two equipped at once. Okay. Does it feel, um, cause I, I don't, I haven't heard much about like, you know, what people thought, think about this game, but do you feel that it detracts from it from being able to switch between two or the, the, like which one do you prefer? Do you prefer do you prefer mixing and matching weapons between your feet and your hands, uh, like the previous games, or like or switching between these two like weapon sets? I think the weapon set system makes more sense because each weapon now is much more in depth. Okay. And uh, whatnot. So, it's so like it, whatever. So. All right, and it, and like you can just seamlessly uh, like weave through them like uh, mid combos. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, like combat's really fun. Uh, the level design besides like my main, main, like my issues with how open it is, it's like, it's very fun. Um, it's a, it's like a roller coaster, like things keep happening. Things like there's, it's, it's the traditional platinum, uh, uh, pacing good and bad where it's like, you're constantly doing new things. Sometimes the things you're doing don't stick the landing. Um, <clears throat> there's one little gameplay aspect. So the way the game structure works is that you're going into different dimensions um, every three levels. So you get introduced to a new area, you do like a side level, and then you have the last level, which is like the first half. And then it's like the, the boss that's dealing with the actual like uh, enemy of that like uh, universe, uh, finishing things up and getting the uh, chaos gear, I think it's called or something like that. Um, the penultimate fight for each universe is a bit different each time. And the very first one you do, which is in like Tokyo, you have Gamora like morph up because Baina has this thing where she will literally just rip her beating heart from her chest and then do a dance and like power up one of her demons for that penultimate fight. And so for Gamora, oh. you make him into basically Godzilla. And then you fight the uh fight does it sounds cool. Okay. But I assure you, it fucking sucks. <laughs> it is not fun. <laughs> Why? Because, that sounds cool. <laughs> because it's slow, it's sluggish, oh. and instead of it being because it's not like a 3D brawler. It's oh. a side scrolling kind of like fighting game but oh. not really because every attack has like three or four seconds of wind up and it's rock paper oh, oh god damn <laughs> and it's worse because you can like let's because like one of the things is is if if the other like the enemy is blocking you want to do a bite 
the problem is you can see them blocking. You can press, okay, I'm going to do a bite. Even though you input the command and it starts winding up the bite, while the enemy is still blocking, there's a chance that they will stop blocking and they have a chance to like do the counter to the bite before yours goes off. Nice. Skill issue. (laughs) It just does not feel good. And that's the one thing that they use multiple times in in the game. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask was like, is that like a one-time thing or they like they try to do different genres, like kind of like the near thing? They do do um uh different genres, and I don't want to spoil um the actually fun genre shifts. I, I will say that the um third region, I wanna say, yeah, the third region, really, really fun. The final fight for that. So fucking good. Best boss um, boss fight in the game. Um, the game itself, like, besides, like, my minor issues with, like, some of the gameplay elements that they add and some of the pacing stuff and the, and the level design, it's like, that's all nitpicks because I'm the type of person that likes to replay action games, and I don't necessarily feel like with the pacing that Bayonetta 3 has that it will be nearly as engaging the second or third time through. And that's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. That's a personal thing. It's yeah. kind of like the similar issue with Bayonetta 2, where it's like the first time you play Bayonetta 2, it's easy to think, man, this is great. This is better than the first game, except for the ending. Uh, but then when you try to replay it, it's like, eh, it just doesn't feel as good. And Bayonetta 3, I feel like it's the same way. It's like mm-hmm. it's 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 a hell of a ride the first time through, but it's not necessarily something I want to replay. Yeah. Uh, that really being well. said, um, I haven't talked about Viola yet. Yeah, I was going to ask how, how like should you had like a new playable character in this one too. She's really fun and but the way she works, it's very much like a narrow situation where you have like um it, it, it this game wants to be DMC5 so bad. It wants to be DMC5 <laughs> so bad. Bayonetta literally gets a weapon that's a chainsaw that turns into a motorcycle. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they want to be DMC five so bad. Yeah, that's that's kind that's kind of a weird thing, right? Because like you would think that like they would try to like kind of create their own thing instead of like tr- straight straight up they, like kind of ripping uh, like they, this, a concept from DMC five. Yeah, they do do their own things. Like okay. there's a lot of things that Bayonetta three does that are like very different, very interesting. The way that Viola plays, even though conceptually as a character, she is similar to Nero. Um, and I won't say anything about like, okay, like who is she actually? I feel like if you've played Bayonetta one recently and you look at some of her character design, what she has, what she does and her, like her familiar, like demon friend Cheshire, uh, it's not a surprise who she actually is and what they're setting up. Um, but, uh. The way she plays is that instead of having multiple weapons, she just has the sword and her like, um, like not shurikens. Uh, what are they called? The uh, I'll just call them darts. So she has kunai. Ha- yeah, kunai's. So she has like the kunai dart things, and she has her sword, and then you have Cheshire, which she can send out and it's like a similar thing to a demon slave thing for her but cheshire specifically is attached to her sword so she throws out her sword so when she summons cheshire she's going full like like unarmed combat and it's funny because she has this like combo string when, when she's unarmed when you're holding down like zl to have cheshire out 
or she'll even basically go like or 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 it's really funny um <laughs> okay uh she's a fun character to play um she's a very different character from like as an actual character vibes wise in bayonetta she definitely doesn't quite feel uh she does feel a little bit out of place i'd say but her gameplay style is different in the sense that she doesn't get witch time from dodging attacks at the at the right moment she gets witch time by deflecting attacks perfectly okay and so the, the, does she have like the, does like the dodge button get replaced with her with like the deflect button instead no she can also dodge okay but you can um guard by holding down the r button if you time it right you get witch time and it's cool conceptually except um there's a little bit of a delay to it and one thing that's especially annoying is that some enemies will have like a flash when they're about to do an attack and sometimes the timing between the flash and when an attack lands isn't the same yeah which is really annoying when you're trying to time those blocks <laughs> also really, it's also really fun when you have like a not a consistent frame rate too i imagine yeah no um at the best of times she's really fun i suck playing her but she she's a lot of fun she's um uh hmm it'll be interesting seeing how they evolve upon her in the next game if they make a bayonetta 4 because it's very it's made very clear that she's going to be playable in a bayonetta 4 whenever that happens oh they Um, tease a sequel they don't necessarily well they say I don't know. They, I guess I'll, I guess maybe that's just to be expected these days. Yeah, yeah, door open. yeah. They're they're leaving the door open. It's clear that if they make an additional bayonet after this, that Viola would have a larger role. Is all I'll say. Um, but yeah, the game itself, a lot of fun. I don't want to talk about the story stuff because I'm sure people have seen like how some people have been like alluding to things they don't like about it. Mm-hmm. I. The game's too fresh. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, right. I I'll say I kind of agree. I can again like Bayonetta one and two. Their stories weren't amazing, but I feel like one of the best things about Bayonetta two was how it's like it's a closed time loop with one. It doesn't change the events of one or anything, but it does kind of give a bit more context and recontextualize. Yeah, that, like, yeah, right. yeah. It's the the like stinger. A, the stinger yeah. to Bayonetta 2 is like, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Like, that's how they explain that aspect of Bayonetta 1. Yeah, and it's like, it's not like it changes Bayonetta 1, just recontextualizes. And I think mm-hmm. it's an interesting, like, closed time loop it has going on. Bayonetta 3 doesn't do that. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things the story does, I feel like, kind of detracts from Bayonetta 1 and 2's story. Okay. Um... Obviously, like you know, we got we got to address it because it's been like a big talk, like you know, around the before the release of this game. It's like, how's Jennifer Hill's uh, voice acting as Bayonetta? Um, sounds great. Uh, definitely sounds different, but it's whatever. It's fine because like one of the things that, and I think they've even shown the marketing. It's not really a spoiler. There's multiple Bayonettas in this game, right? Like, yeah, different universes and whatnot. So it's like having ostensibly the Bayonetta in three is a different Bayonetta from the one in one and two. Yeah. Like it, it it's very clear. Cause like in the prologue, you even see like a Bayonetta one design Bayonetta eat shit. And then it uh-huh. switches over to the different universe with the Bayonetta three Bayonetta. So it's like, you've like from that standpoint, having a different voice, it's like, yeah, it doesn't sound quite right, but it sounds close enough. It sounds like Bayonetta and she does a great job with it. So it's like, 
and honestly, with everything else that's come out about, yeah. uh, it, it's like uh, I'm, I'm glad there's a different bayonetta this time. Like, goddamn. Yeah. Yeah. This sucks. It has to go that way. <laughs> it did do be like that. It's uh not great, but you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to playing this game uh, probably after Divine Force. After I'm uh, I'm done yeah. with that, I'm uh, I you know it's it's one of those things like both of those both of these came out at the same time. I had to choose one over the other, so I was like, okay, yeah. I'll do Divine Force now and then Bayo three. Uh, I do want to stress. I do want to stress. Besides, like all my nitpicks, and I definitely sound negative. This is still like an eight point five or a nine out of ten for me. This yeah. is a really really good game. And okay, I think it's better than Bayonetta two. That's it's good. That's like, it, <laughs> I, I like to a lot. So yeah. I only beat it once. I didn't do replays on it. So yeah, maybe it's... that. What, what do you yeah. call it? The rose tint glasses hasn't worn off yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you only, if you only beat Bayonetta two, then yeah, I can see why you have a high high opinion. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Also, just straight up, like Bayonetta three is easily Platinum's most ambitious title. It's it's hard to like stress enough just how ambitious it is because. Man, there's just so many different locations in this one. There's so many different gameplay styles. There's side missions with John in between each of like the arcs, quote unquote, where you're playing as her in like a side-scrolling action game, kind of like Mark of the Ninja of all things. Okay. Huh. Interesting. And there's like multiple of those. And it's like just huh. completely like, yeah, we 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 kind of made this gameplay style. I, I feel like it was probably a situation where it's like we made this spinoff. We we don't know if we can justify selling it separately. Fuck it. We'll just include it in uh, Bayonetta 3. Because <laughs> it's like, it, again, it's it's an entirely different game. It's just like additional like stages in between the main arcs. You still have to play them. And it's fun, but it's like, this is very, very different. <laughs> well, I mean, congratulations to Platinum Games for releasing their first good game in 2022. I have a silly question. Bayonetta 2 never released on anything else, right? Switch. It released Switch on Switch. Through through? No, it released Switch. on Wii U. Yep. Oh, duh. Wii U. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wii U and Switch. How can you forget for the Wii U? What's the uh, only game that's missing a port from the Wii U? Oh, yeah. Zero Blade Chronicles. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's all right. You can emulate that now. Oh, there is always that solution. You know what's fucked up, actually. It's it's we're sort of tangentially on this topic. There, there's a there's a game coming out on Steam on the upcoming games list that's called Mad World, and then like a subtitle. Mm. And I got really mad. I'm like, mm. you can't just do that. You can't just like name a, t- a game Mad World. That's not, not how it should be. You know. Yeah, that's not cool just Mad that's just not just insulting Sega and Platinum. That's insulting uh, Matsuno because he wrote that game. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the one coming out of is like some MMO or something. I forgot, but I was just like, I just got really, really angry for a hot second. Didn't that game get heavily censored on like day one? That they had to release a second version that's a little bit slightly altered. Uh, or... Mad World? Yeah. I, 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 am I thinking I something else? You, you, you might be thinking of something else. I don't remember it getting censors in like the US at the very least. It might, yeah, maybe in other regions. Yeah. Like the whole thing in the US is like. Um... I'm sure it got censored in Japan because, like, the whole thing with that thing is lots of blood and dismemberment. Yeah, yeah. it was a bloodbath. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember it getting censored um, in the U.S. release, though. 
Yeah. But yeah, well, but that, that's not that's not just uh, that, that's a, that's an even older problem. Like that's just locked to the Wii period. Uh, they never got a release outside of the Wii. <laughs> so you know. All right. The last game that I have earmarked here, I was only introduced to slightly earlier in the month when Josh in one of our Discord channels said. Hey, this game released on Steam. It is called Astilibra Revision, and it is getting a lot of praise. And then I yeah. talked to Adam very briefly about it, about some of the history of this game. So I've gotten kind of like bits and pieces, how it's a single Japanese developer. Supposedly, he's been developing this game for like over a decade. Uh, and I basically, that's kind of where my knowledge tapers off. And someone put it here on the podcast doc. I don't know who's actually played the new Steam release that released early in October. Oh, was Chow, this uh, Chow? Chow, Chow? Chow did, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, I only brought it up because uh, a friend, uh, uh, me and a friend, uh, a friend and I, um, like you know, we we kind of have like this thing where we've been playing like a lot of like RPGs this year, and like we're kind of we kind of like pride ourselves with, like the like uh, we love seven out of ten RPGs. So like we went through Dio Field, Valkyrie, Relayer. Mm-hmm. Um, Divine Force. Like, I, I, a triangle strategy obviously not a 7 out of 10 RPG but like but like we've been playing a lot of like the same RPGs but then like we diverged here like you had to go play Astlibra Re- Revision or and I, I played some other stuff and then he came back he's like he kept saying like you know how good this game was like as he was playing it and like he got done with it after like 67 hours and he finished it after that time he's like this game's really good like you should like get around to it like I was like, okay, I'll try to make some time. Sixty-seven hours is a lot, but and then I went over to the Steam page and I noticed like it's getting overwhelmingly positive reviews, and I'm like, shit, is this like a like a secret like gem of the year? You know, like so like that's why I basically that, that that's why I basically like brought it up to like the the staff chat. I was like, hey, you know what? Like this game, like no one's really talking about it, but apparently it's really really fucking good. And like I have a friend that like I really trust, like with our, their like opinion on like games, especially RPGs. And like you know, I, I want to try to get around to it before the end of the year. But like, if anyone wants to check it out, like by all means, like, you know, this game looks fucking cool. So my impression of this game is it's like a modern take to Yeast Free, like Wonder of Yeast, not Open Fagana, but like a modern take of Yeast Free from the olden days. There's like a like a stop like a side schooler RPG. Yes, uh, and even the combat kind of feels like kind of similar. Like uh-huh. you can aim your slash upwards by holding up. Or you get to slash normally, you know, horizontally, and or even like you could jump up and do like a kind of like a dive, dive slash sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, but you have like three different type of weapons, like um, depending on how you want to use it, because they have they have different attack speed and different range. But like the stronger weapons can stagger enemy a lot easier versus like the weaker weapons, which kind of has trouble staggering enemies. But I prefer the faster attack speed because every time you attack, you get ST. ST is like your MP. And when you get MP, you could do like magic attacks. Okay. So in my opinion, it's better to spam the faster weapon against bosses, in my opinion. Okay. You can also guard a lot quicker instead of like being stuck in like attack animation. Right. Right. So in my opinion, like I thought the first boss was literally impossible with a sword. <laughs> then I switched to the dagger and I'm like, damn, this is easy now for some reason, right? Because now I can guard and block the fireball. 
but like when I was using the sword, I couldn't do that. It was just too slow to do that. And well, what's like the setup of the game? Like, like, uh, like, how does like, like, just the initial story premise? Uh, the story is extremely weird. So basically, how the game starts out, it's like those '90s arcade kind of kind of game. You see, like a main character is running away with with this childhood friend of of his, this girl, and they're like being chased by like all these demons and stuff. And then you hear a scream, and then boom, it's it's done. And then he wakes up. And the girl's nowhere to be found. There's no demons. And and a, a talking crow comes to him. And this crow has amnesia. And the crow said, you know, let's I'm gonna help you and you know, do this, right? And the main character, you know, wants to find his childhood friend. You know, he feels like, you know, he, he believes that he's still like that she's still alive somewhere out there. That's kind of like his lingering thought. So I don't know if she's dead or like, I don't know, possibly. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know anything about the story, but like, like people say like, it's, it's a fucking trip. I'm like, I'm like, really? Like, really? Like, I really wonder what happens then, you know? Um, <laughs> but it's, it's very bizarre uh-huh. too, because, yeah. okay. So they're trying to find humans because apparently like they spent eight years traveling around the world trying to find like a living human, right? Okay, so there's like a big like time skip like at the intro, like like at the like the setup of this. Like the the crow comes to this to your main character, and then like they they've been like already like travel like acquainted with each other for eight years, right? Yes. They've okay, been traveling around for eight years, and then they find like a single human, and they're like camp, and they're like, hey, it's like it's like uh they decide like kind of share their stories together and. And that guy uh, introduced himself, and he said, "Yeah, there is a town nearby, but this this town's completely destroyed. Don't bother; it's a ghost town, right?" Uh-huh. And so they slept, and the next day the guy's gone, and they go there, and that town that's completely destroyed, it's back to life, and <laughs> the main character seems to have time traveled to the past. Okay, okay, and, this game sounds like a trip. <laughs> and this like this entire field trip. It felt like okay, because in this field trip is like uh, it's kind of like the yeast storyline where you're going into the mines to find a herb to save the dying girl in that village, right? Uh-huh. Uh, at the end of the at the end of the mine, there's like a guardian beast, and you find like like the sick uh, girl's uh, father there. Mm-hmm. And at the end, when you kill the beast, and you go to the next moment, you're in the future somehow again, like the present day. And you find the corpse of the father, and then you're like, "Wait a minute, did I time travel again?" And that guy's dead. And now the whole village is gone. And then you get like a flashback that the village is safe, but yet you find the corpse of like the father. So it left me like confused on like how the time travel is working. Okay, this uh, yeah, this is this sounds really I, interesting. I, okay, I, I I wish I had something more eloquent to say other than just trying to repeat. This sounds like a trip. This sounds like a trip. Like, <laughs> yeah, this sounds like this sounds like my kind of shit when it comes to stories. <laughs> it's like I don't know how the time travel system works yet. Like there, there is, there has to be something, and it's like it's so oh. bizarre, right? Right. But, oh, like, like the main character has no control over it either, right? So it's just like it's just okay. so weird. Huh? I really wonder what's going on then. That's that's that sounds that sounds fun. Cool. The prologue, right? Yeah, it's just a prologue alone. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's uh, I find like the most hilarious thing is when you start the game, it's like, what is it? The opening uh, storyline is kind of long. Do you want to skip it and just get straight to the action? <laughs> it's like a very 
bizarre for a video game to ask you to do that. <laughs> I mean, the prologue's only like ten minutes long, but like, come on, like, I like that's seriously. So, that's so funny. It's like, okay, you don't want to get to this. You don't want you don't want story shit, right? Come on now. <laughs> do you want to just get straight to the action right away? Do you want to just play the video game now? It's like, all right. But yeah, that, that's yeah. that's a, that's my impression from the prologue. And now he he finds that guy that you know that he meets for the first time, and mm-hmm. you know he he says he's going to introduce him to like the actual human village and find him a job, and that's and that's where the main game starts, right? Okay. Uh, anyways, I, that's all I can say for now uh-huh. because I don't know like what happens to the plot, but I I can imagine that there's going to be more bizarre twists to this game because nothing kind of makes sense yet. Um, I think the weakest link of this mm-hmm. game is just the localization. A lot mm-hmm. of the translations kind of stiff or kind of like translate a little bit too literally. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like there's a part when the, at the beginning of the game where the main character said he's got to find his childhood friend, and he keeps saying that child. I got to find that child. And it's like, why would you say that, right? And I guess in Japanese, it's like ano kol, right? Oh, okay. That's, that's probably what he's saying, and that's mm. why the translation's okay. so awkward, yeah. right? Yeah. But I, I see, like, the developer or or somebody from the developer staff is constantly looking at, like, the, was it, like, the Steam community discussion, and he's he's really open to feedback, and it seems like he's like constantly patching the game it's it's definitely definitely feels like a passion project through and through and like it's really cool to see that like people have really warmed up to it like i've heard nothing but like praise about this game uh pretty much yeah like that guy's really open to feedback so i'm sure that like eventually like these things will be ironed out but like i don't know it'll take some time but surely it'll it'll happen right yeah so i'm yeah like right now like the my doc is like divine force then like maybe the one or two days on bayonetta 3 then, like, if I don't have like any outstanding assignments, like, I, I definitely want to play this game. Like, I'm, I'm so curious. And, uh, and the system gets a little even like crazier. Like, mm-hmm. um, what is it? Uh, basically, like, you know, like in Castlevania, you, you know, you find all these like relics. Yeah. And they give you like a passive ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, how this game works is that like every equipment has like a unique passive ability. So the more you use it, you get to learn the passive ability. Like, 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 like inherently, like so you can like like you go on to the next equipment or like it, it's basically you have like a limited AP pool to or uh, there's something called the magic crystal to let you equip those passive abilities, right? Okay, okay. So it's like imagine Final Fantasy Nine. I think that's yeah. Like, that's that's sounds sort of like Final Fantasy Nine. You can equip it, but you only have like a limited amount of points to equip it. And some of these abilities get so bizarre. Like in like I think like when I see like it looks like freaking like missile spamming like how how in op your protagonist can get later on so like i, I seen like some little clips from a trailer i'm like damn you could do this kind of shit later on it's <laughs> kind of insane um and what is it there's another thing that i i forgot to mention like the crow buddy of yours uh the crow lets you like transform into like different like monsters as like a magic ability right okay it, it's kind of cool like i don't know like when i fought the first boss I find like no matter what weapon you use does like zero damage to the boss. So I'm like, hmm, so why not just use the weakest weapon? Because it does zero damage anyways. And because that builds MP the fastest, I can spam the like the magic attack the fastest to kill it. 
So that's that's, that's 200 IQ that's move right there. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it like I don't know. I'm not sure if that was the intended strategy or I was just bad with my stat management because when you level up, you can kind of like put where your stats like where you want to, right? Okay, so you have free free reign over like your stat like build. Yeah, it's like um. It's like Diablo. You put like your stats, like oh, do I want to pump this all in strength? Do I want to pump all that and you know whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Um, and you could actually reset it by going like, was it in like a weapon shop? And you just examine like equipment, and you can like reset where your stats you want to be, or you can buy an item and you can reset it whenever, right? That just reminds me that, that you're reminding me that there's no respec option that I've uh, ran into in the Star Ocean so far. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, there's no respec option. So yeah, that's kind of like what there wasn't over there. Um, let's see if I remember. Uh, the item, uh, how you buy items in this game is, uh, you need to find the materials first. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You cannot make the item unless you have the material. So, like, if you go in somewhere and they're like, "Hey, they sell like this awesome legendary sword," well, too bad. You can't you can't get it unless you have the materials right there. They just yeah, that's how weapons are made in this game, and. And, like, nothing is completely useless in this game, because even you've got, like, the most useless weapon, you can dismantle it and get the materials back. Okay. So, like, anything is, like, there. there's a reason for this game. Um, let's see. Difficulty can be kind of... I don't know. It could be easy or hard. Uh, like, like, you could use unlimited healing items in this game. Like, I'm not sure if, like, it, then the hard, harder difficulties will disable them. Uh, it does have like a cooldown when you try to use a healing item. It will take like like ten seconds for the items to take effect. So okay. you need to like kind of use it ahead of time. When when you when you use a healing item, does it, like um, plant you in place and make you like unmovable un- or you like can move? But the item will not take effect till like like a several seconds later. Okay. So if, like you pop that healing potion, it'll need you need to wait like a few seconds before. Is it is like is is like like when you use it, does it, does it have an animation to, for them to use it, or do you have to? Are are you still moving? You're still moving, but there's okay. like a little charge bar at the end. You have to wait that charge bar to like go away before that okay. item takes effect. So it's a lot, a little different in that kind of aspect, right? Right. Uh another thing that I could, I could talk about is that like as soon as you kill the first boss, there's this, was it? There's a system called a Libra scale, and the Libra scale is is a really like odd system in this game. You basically had to scale and you drop an item. And it will affect the karma system. And basically, you'll be if you put like I don't know, like gold in like one side, it will make you earn more money in battle, but it uh, devalues something else in the other side or something. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. But yeah, like this game is full of a lot of things. I think Dude, it's that, actually really cool. That sounds rad. <laughs> Honestly, like I'm I'm digging it. But yeah, besides like localization aside, I think this is actually like a solid entry. I think you should probably check it out yeah i want to i want to check it out like 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 i remember um before the the we started this podcast like um adam was saying like this initially started life as like a web browser game i believe i don't know if it was a browser game but he released it for free Uh uh-huh but like it was like an incomplete version it's like that that's why it's like a revision is like a remake and a fully completed version on one Mm. yeah that's yeah uh, that's cool uh, I'm uh, I'm interested. <laughs> I want to get to it. I'm not sure if you're yeah, um, sorry, playing James. it on. Uh, are you playing on your desktop or are you playing on Steam Deck? I'm playing on my uh, on desktop. 
didn't really boot up my Steam Deck because I don't have any much memory. I'm just too lazy to delete and like install stuff. It, I'm waiting it, for it. It's a 2D game. <laughs> hey, hey, I like to wait for my one terabyte SD card to come in. I'm waiting for that Black Friday sale. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say because well, I wanted you to say it if you were playing on Steam Deck since you're you're the one that's played the most of it. I, I downloaded the demo on my deck and it runs really well there. So um oh. it definitely seems like a good fit. Does that have to <laughs> compile shaders on it? No, no. It just <laughs> it just works. It just I also works. forgot to mention that if you listen to the soundtrack of this game, it is like way too epic than it needs to be. Like when you go to the fucking <laughs> yeah. forest, it felt like you're fighting like the fucking last boss or some shit. <laughs> it's like just like in the forest. I'm like, what is the soundtrack? That sounds uh, really good. <laughs> I, I love I love music that's like probably way more grandiose than it's supposed to be for what it's uh for what it's depicting. <laughs> yeah, that's this my is favorite the genre music. <laughs> it's like what the hell is going on here? But yeah, it's a uh, 95% positive on Steam. It's got like 900 reviews. So it's one of those games that is definitely being carried by word of mouth. And it seems like it's one that we we always try to make sure we don't let good games run fly under the radar. And this seems like it's one of those. Make sure you uh, keep an eye out for it. And again, that is uh, it's an on only Steam now. This is a Stilibra revision. I think it's only on Steam for right now. I didn't see it that I might be wrong. I'm gonna check. I am also checking. Uh, yeah, we uh, our website, which is always correct all the time, only has it marked as a PC release. But who knows if it gets uh, if it does really well there, if it su- surpasses expectations. But it is a mostly a single developer, so we don't know like what their capabilities are in terms of console porting. I mean, there's always a well-known publisher that would offer. The, uh, yeah, I got. I got. The, I went to the to the. St- official website for this game and there's like a little faq um uh, like below it and it's so good because it's like if the game won't start after a new setting is applied uh the solution is try start the try start the game by holding down the shift key if the problem persists please paste the content in the following in steam forum and it's like uh like a a file location path (laughs) but to the log (laughs) it's like it's really you know, it's it's, it's like made by quaint it's almost. a yeah yeah it's a, definitely a single person project, but like it's like very earnest about it. It's like it's like it's really mm-hmm. you can feel that it's doing its best with the, with the limitations capabilities that it has. And whoever's doing the graphics for this game, I have to say, every equipment will give your character a different appearance. Yes. So it'll be like Love that. It. It'll be like that. Yeast. Back in the day when you get a full set and your equipment changes, but no, this is for every single different piece. Holy shit. So props to the graphic artist for doing that because that makes it really cool. Yeah, that makes it really fun to just like you can mess around with the appearance of your character, see how fucked up they look, uh, you know, because <laughs> you get uh, better equipment. Well, thank you, uh Chow, for giving us a look into Estilibra revision, and also to James for looking at Bayonetta 2. And of course, we will go back and talk about the Divine Bayonetta Force two. in future podcasts. Oh, sorry. Damn, we time traveled now. <laughs> Damn it! I've got yeah, this closed time loops. Sorry, Bayonetta three on Switch this week. I mean, this so yeah, three recent. Re- so yeah, all three of those games just released. Well, I guess Estilibro was released on Steam on the thirteenth of October, so a couple weeks ago. But some recent some recent releases. Uh, a little bit looking out of the RPG genre for a bit, but that's okay. We can do that from time to time. Uh, a couple releases that we've talked about on previous podcasts, so we're not going to spend too much time here. We did have formal write-ups put up on the site. 
Uh, one of those, or I guess two of these are games that Adam has talked about on maybe not the previous two episodes, but within the last month. Uh, Asteragos, Curse of the Stars. This is kind of that Zelda Souls-like uh, initial game from this Taiwanese Acme, Acme game studio. I kind of fumbled that. I'm sorry. Uh, Adam talked about this on an earlier episode of the podcast and thought pretty, pretty highly of it and wrote up a review on the site for that. Asteragos, Curse of the Stars. And then another game that Adam talked about last week that unfortunately he didn't feel as highly about was Batora Lost Haven. Uh, he wrote up a review for that as well. I know he basically put those out back to back. They're both up on the site. And if you want to see the the write-up for what he's already talked about on the podcast, you can go and check those out. And no, then this we is got a little a bit of a up. tangent, but when we were in the Star Ocean section and Josh is talking about like all the different ways you can sort of customize how you play. I was thinking about Batora because that game has like nothing. <laughs> you just straight line game basically just gives everything like the mechanics to you. And there's like, that's it, which is not maybe it's fine, but it just kind of like soured me and it kind of just got dull. Once you kind of played it for a bit, you're like, okay, this is it. This is the whole game. So I do enjoy your little, uh, your blurb for your, uh, for your, like the tweet for this game. I don't know. I just got to read this just because it is very frank. Uh, Batora Lost Haven is a boring RPG with tedious dialogue and lackluster level design saved only by adequate combat, respectable art, and a mercifully short runtime. I'm like, oh, okay. That's tell us how you really feel. Um, yeah, I wrote that. I'm like, is this too harsh? Here's your chance to take it back. Do you take it I'm, back? No. no. <laughs> no. Like, I would have been even more soured on it if this game was like 20 hours long and it was just the same thing. So... I, I you know told I mean? that I'm like it, I don't think it's hard, like harsh or too harsh. I think it's just like if that's how you feel, that's how you how you feel, and you shouldn't like hold back on you know <laughs> what you really think. I, I think I think it's it's more of a disservice to people if you if you if you hold back. And I guess to to be more positive, uh, here's your a chance to say something potentially more positive about Asteragos. I mean, oh Asteragos, I was about to say well, yeah, basically now. <laughs> If you like games that are like really streamlined, I mean, Batora is definitely that. It's just almost too streamlined for me. Um, I don't. When you went to but, go back and write up the review on Asteragos, where you're like, "Yeah, I actually really enjoyed this whatever part Asterigos of it." Asteragos has like a lot of good concept concepts and like premise. Like, there's a lot of good conceptual things about it. It's just kind of rough in certain places. Like, I I, I know I talked about this like three podcasts ago, I believe, but. Um, the dialogue is kind of bad for a few reasons. One, the translation is just iffy in places. And two, I kind of feel like I feel like the story premise and how like the actual narrative is constructed over the course of the game is pretty cool, but I also feel like every single like dialogue exchange goes for about like two or three text boxes too long where they just kind of like meander and it just like it almost feels like it needed another like an editor to like you know, you don't need this sentence. Like you're, you're just repeating yourself or you're talking circularly or something like that. Um, and also, uh, this is a part of the game that I kind of am of two minds about. So this game has a lot of side quests and maybe this was, uh, inspired by souls ish design. There is no like log in the game that tells you here is the side quest and here's exactly what you need to do to go solve it. We're going to put a point on the map and, tell you where to go you don't get like a little like objective or anything and so you kind of just have to 
pay attention and figure out like, oh, this person wants me to do this. This person wants me to do that. But sometimes it is almost too obtuse or too vague where like a character will tell you like, I need, I want you to talk to my friend near the amphitheater. And like, you're looking all around the amphitheater. It's like, I don't see your friend. Where are they? And they're actually like quite a ways away from the amphitheater. Like I wouldn't call that near, but and so it's kind of like stuff like that in terms of figuring out like who you need to talk to, which NPC you need to talk to to actually progress a quest. But also, so there's there's a journal in the game that the main character writes, and it's written in like the character's voice. So it's kind of diegetic in that way, and it's pretty cool. Like you can, it's not just like a, a checklist, like do this, do that. It's like okay, here's actually Hilda's thoughts on like the, the events of the game and whatnot, and she has her own drawings and everything. And it's pretty cool. But as a like as a functional journal, it's actually kind of useless. Like if you're coming to it after the fact, like oh yeah, she says I talked to this blacksmith. What did the blacksmith ask me to do again? I don't remember. And Hilda didn't write it down. So I know I have this quest for this blacksmith, but I don't remember what he asked me to do or where I'm supposed to go or anything about this quest other than I have a quest of the blacksmith. And even if you talk to the blacksmith, he's like, did you find it yet? It's like, find what? What am I looking for? I forgot. Um, so I kind of wish Hilda had, took, taken, had taken better notes in her journal. So that's sort of what I mean by of two minds. Like I don't, I like it that in terms of it doesn't, the side questing in the game isn't just like, go here, pick up this, go here, do that, and it just points it out to you. But I also kind of feel like, um, just on a functional level, that it almost, it's almost too obscure. I actually had a decent time on the I, when I was playing through the game on the Steam forums, like trying to co- collaborate with other people. Like, what are you supposed to do with this quest? Like, how do you progress it? Like, I just do I just talk to every NPC in the game and figure out which one has like the flag to progress the quest? So, you know, I'm of two I'm minds. sorry, I don't but hate it. I don't love the, it. It's just kind of mm. the thing that shows, the thing that pops in my brain when you describe it like that is like I wonder how you would feel about Elden Ring. Yeah. <laughs> so. so. Nope, but thank you for uh, kind of summarizing your thoughts on those two games. So listen to the previous episodes of the podcast for him going more in detail on those. And then, of course, we have the two write-ups on the site for Asterigos Curse of the Stars and Batora Lost Haven. And the last review that went up on the site uh, in the last week is one from Scott, Scott White. He previewed this previously, and that is Lost Idolans, which released on Steam uh, a couple weeks ago, and then wrote up a full review on the site just this last week. Obviously, I do not want to speak for Sight. I'll try to let his, uh, for Scott, I'll let his review speak for itself. It sounds like that he thought that the gameplay aspects of Lost Idolans was really, really strong. He thought that it had both good combat stylings as well as its like overarching features that he compares, compares to like Fire Emblem Three Houses monastery feature, where he said that in Fire Emblem, he thought it was a little bit uh, overwrought and kind of slow, where he thought in Lost Idolans is a lot more manageable. It sounds like the game fumbles most on its presentation and its writing and a little bit on its bugginess. So hopefully those are things that the um, studio is working on. But in order to get the full context for Scott's thoughts, I suggest going and reading through the Lost Idolans review up on the site. As for the news section of this podcast, there really is no like theme to the week. Like usually we can at least like b- uh, bundle uh, announcements under a publisher, under a console or, or something like that. But here, not quite so much. It's a little bit scattershot, uh, but we'll go through it here. The first thing that we'll have here is we got an announcement for what one of the previously mysterious Witcher projects 
was. So if you listen to our podcast a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how there were a new Witcher trilogy in development and a few new spinoffs. Uh, we talked about all the different project names for them, Project Polaris, Sirius, and Canis Majoris. If you don't remember what those are, that's no problem. I don't either. Uh, but one of them was Project Canis Majoris. This is a story-driven, single-player, open-world RPG set in the Witcher universe, uh, led by ex-Witcher veterans. It turns out what this game actually was was The Witcher Remake as a new open-world RPG built in Unreal Engine 5. So I'm kind of just looking back at the initial announcement of this game back when it was just a project title. and like, yeah, I guess that checks out. It's uh, all being made it, by people. Technically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's set in yeah, The Witcher yeah, universe, no. that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, made by ex-Witcher devs, people who literally... I, I don't know how true the statement is but x richard Jeff, I, yeah. so some talent from the original game on this which is good yeah it's interesting <laughs> to note that like this is made but not by cd project red themselves this is made by a polish polish studio fool's theory i don't know what else mm-hmm. they've done um i forgot to go look at you know their um well, other projects but um you know but they they've definitely said in the press release that like you know staff from previous Witcher games will obviously be, uh, be uh, uh working on this as well there's not really, you know, much outside of that news, to be honest. Um, it, it's just yeah, there are no cool. screenshots, no art, just a title yeah. and an engine mostly, and 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 the developer of themselves, of course, the studio. But you know, it may it makes sense. Like you know, it, it, I know people, you know, to a certain extent, rightfully so, like kind of get tired of like remakes, especially from like more recent games. But the first Witcher is definitely deserving of a remake at this point. It initially came out in October 2007 and the enhanced edition came out in September 2008 and they're only available have have only been available on PC ever since they're like you know it released so i mean yeah it's high time like a lot of people got exposure to the witcher through the witcher 3 and through the netflix tv show um so obviously you know a, a good chunk of those people want to experience like you know the trilogy and you know want to go through one two and three and playing through the first one these days is it hasn't aged well um it is very very old um especially a lot of it's like gameplay mechanics it's visuals obviously it's a very different game from what like people think of as modern witcher has like a pc ass pc rpg yes (laughs) um like it had like like the combat does like a lot of like very rhythm based sword strikes uh, on your mouse clicks, yeah, I like mouse clicks. It takes it's deep for its time, but it's not something that does age gracefully, and it doesn't help that it's only was only available on PC. There's like no, there was never a release on like consoles for that game. It's crazy to think about, but that only happened to Witcher Two. Yeah, I remember so. Witcher Two releasing on Xbox 360 was big news at the time. Yeah, now having yeah. not 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 being on a console is unheard of, like for all these future Witcher projects. So, you know, it makes sense. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, they, this Witcher remake, they'll definitely want to try to target, you know, consoles as well as PC. Uh, I have to imagine whenever this um, takes fruition. And yeah, ho- hopefully, you know, it, it, it retains some of that kind of charm to the first Witcher that was only really seen in that first Witcher. It, it was, it was all the time for sure, but like, I kind of don't want like some of that kind of like that jankness to fully be gone. There absolutely has to be annoying kids. They have to. They have to still be around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my uh, 
my memories of the original Witcher are a little bit foggy. I have played it, but my memory just sucks. I do, however, remember though that uh, that game really leaned into like the the potion creating mechanics and like the 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 I forget what you call them in universe where The Witcher two and three also had those. Um, but there's a, there's a part in the game where I forget if it, I forget if it's a poison or like a side effect to one of your potion imbuements, but it causes the game to have this like graphical effect where these red dots appear all over your screen. And I was like, oh no, is my GPU dying? Because it's back in like 2012 and I just started yeah. playing PC games and I didn't know like what I was doing. And I'm like, oh no, like is my game running okay? What am I doing? Uh, but like, no, it's just a, it was just the visual effect that they decided to use in that game. I remember searching for it at the time and I wasn't the only person that got like, freaked out by that. It's like, okay, who wasn't just me. I'm not paranoid. Uh, I haven't really like looked into it for obviously a very long time, but like, is the first Witcher like runnable on modern PCs or do you need like a mod to it? It's runnable uh, on modern PCs and I believe it's steam deck playable. Let me double. Check oh, wow. <laughs> really? That's crazy. <laughs> Holy shit. How do I do know how you, how you play that game on a steam deck? Uh, one second. Huh. Witcher enhanced edition. Yep, Steam Deck playable. Wow. That's fascinating. I wonder what the control scheme is like for that game. Yeah. On Steam Deck. Well, yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's, it doesn't have official controller support, I don't yeah. think. I don't, I don't um, remember. If anyone listening wants to play uh, the original Witcher before the remake, it uh, until November 1st, it's on sale for 85% off on Steam. You can buy it for $1.49. Yeah, I... I Minnesota at the uh, convenience store. Yeah, this one. Yeah, I'm sure this one, the first Witcher will get many, many more discounts stuff from now till the remake. So don't like you know if you missed it now, don't worry. Like it goes on sale very often uh, for very, very low uh, prices. And I think I think it'd be uh, it'd be very, very interesting to see like you know playing the original before the remake comes out, like having somewhat of a fresh memory and like going to the remake, like holy shit, <laughs> they it looks so much better. What the fuck. <laughs> I found a Steam forum post from 2014. Weird red spots when moving. What the heck is going on? <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. You're not alone. <laughs> All right. So, apparently, that's when you have too high of a toxicity in the game from having too nice. many potions with side effects. But All right. <laughs> nice. And between when I created our podcast outline and now, someone added a subheadline to our Witcher news about the uh, Witcher season four from Netflix. Uh, I guess I had no idea about this that. While Henry Cavill, Cavill will be re reprising his role in season three, he will not be in season four. It'll instead be Liam Hensworth. Yep, just That's came out. Surprising. Yeah, this people, news just came out. People are reading into it. I think it's more about the fact that didn't wasn't it just announced that Henry Cavill is going to be doing more stuff in the DC? Uh, yeah, he's going to be Superman again. Yeah, he's back as Superman. So I'm guessing he's just anticipating that it will be like. Uh, um, well, it must be a, a scheduling hell for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially since like they have James Gunn helping DC now for the, for the most part as well, so it's just it's a you know DC still trying to find ways to you know catch up to Marvel to a certain extent in the, when it comes to films. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean that's I can it, it sucks uh, you know because Cavill did such like an amazing job as Geralt in uh, the TV series and. Hopefully Liam Hemsworth really knocks it out of the park. Um, I think he carries the show, to be honest. <laughs> to a certain extent, say. like Cavill is very charming as a, a very charming Geralt. 
He, I he, have no he, idea how, how it's going to turn out without him. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, I, I think I only watched the first two seasons. I didn't watch season three, of The Witcher, yet on Netflix. Um, but it, like, like Cavill, like definitely struck like the right balance between like, like the gruffness of Geralt, uh, with like kind of like the sort of like the dorky aspects of him too. So that's not that's not easy to pull off. So I'm, but you know that. I'm very interested to see how, how Hemsworth does it. Like I said, our news section of this podcast is a little bit scattershot. So now we're going to go to a completely different type of game. Uh, this game was something that was announced not too long ago, but I'd almost forgotten about it. And that is Disgaea 7. So Disgaea 6 came out last year, but didn't really make many waves. I feel like they changed the art style. It had the weird like Switch PS4 region exclusivity bits which is kind of strange but disguise 7 was announced and in this last week nippon ichi uh released a new blog post in japan that basically detailed a ton about the game about the characters and the monster classes and things like that now this game has not been officially announced for a western localization so i do want to make sure that i give a huge shout out to kite steinbuck who translated a ton from this blog post to help uh, assist Adam put it up on the site for the Disgaea 7 uh, announcement post from this week. So, Adam, you who have played, you've played a couple like of Disgaea games. I don't remember. I've played one yeah, you, two. You play, I've been waiting for Because you've been waiting for PC. three. Yeah. yeah and it, it just, <laughs> it'll just never get a happen. Vita. Just get a Vita. I actually do own Disgaea 3 on Vita. And like, I could stubborn. play it. <laughs> Just, I am just, just just play it on Vita. No, the, the, out of out of the sky journey. I'm gonna that's, check something. I'm just I'm just gonna check something really quick. Vita <laughs> 3K compatibility list. Because there's a chance. Why that do I, you can why do I have a feeling this is related to Steam Deck? Oh, no, it's uh, emulation. Well, uh, okay. Supposedly, the scuttlebutt is that Disgaea 3's code is kind of messed up and well, hard to port. Guess <laughs> so. what, Adam? Disgaea right. 3 is listed as playable on the, the uh, Vita emulator. You can just play it on PC that way. If I were to play it on Vita, I'd, or the Vita version, I'd just play it on Vita. but um, Or PlayStation TV. Look, but, um, I, I, look Adam doesn't like emulators, okay? TV. I have a PlayStation TV. It's actually, I have it right here. It's right next to me here. What about emulating oh. the PS3 version? Well, I'd play the Vita version just because that's they got the enhanced edition. You know, the every, every it feels like right? every Disgaea game, at least up to four, had like a re-release with more stuff. So, because it was like the PSP versions and then the Vita versions, they always added more. They're saying to wait for Disgaea Seven complete. Yeah. Well, anyways, the localization thing is sort of weird, just because like Disgaea Six that was announced in a Nintendo Direct, and so it was sort of like a simultaneous announcement. Um, although the Japanese version had a PlayStation version, and then the Western version eventually got a PlayStation version, but not right away. It's kind of weird. We oh, I forgot that, that it eventually did. Yeah, yeah, and, and PC. I think it's on PC now. Yeah, too. it's on PC now too. Yeah. So all of them are one, two, three, four, or one, two, four, five, six are on PC. Um, anyways, so the, this latest update. So when they originally announced the game, they kind of revealed like the characters and their character art and the character design, but it didn't like introduce who they were yet so this this update kind of goes through the whole character cast so if you're the type of person who likes to read up on the characters we can you can do that now um they also previously revealed some of the some of the normal like human classes that are coming back into the in, uh, coming to the game like both returning from earlier games but also the new classes i believe were like a female dancer and like a male thief 
And the way this guy works is usually the male and female versions of a class do behave a little differently. Like the male and female mages, they have a different name. They do a little different things. There's like a cleric and clergy for like the male and female healer. So there's a little bit of difference between like now with the new male thief compared to the female thief and so on. Um, so that was previously revealed. They, the, new up, the new update, they revealed like the new monster classes to the game. Uh, one of them is a, a death princess who supposedly they power up when their allies die and they can also resurrect themselves, which I think is kind of fun. And then there's also like a beholder like monster that's like a giant floating eye, which is also pretty cool, to be honest. And then the, the the other information revealed is more about the story. There's like seven divine weapons. You like your characters apparently have like two of them, and then there's like a villain who has one of them. And I'm sure that'll basically kind of be the the MacGuffins of the story are these divine weapons, uh, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of screenshots, so you can all you can check all that out. Not a bit not announced for localization yet. And then again, also just a very big uh, shout out to Kite for translating all this because this none of this has been in Western marketing at all. So this is all grabbing it from uh, Nipponichi's home website. All right, Chow, I'm going to rely on you for this next one. So we got a release date for Genshin Impact 3.2. Sorry, I'm going to read this. I don't know what it is, but I'll read it. We're going to get new two new characters, Nahida and Lila, Lila and the finale to Samaru's storyline. So in, you've, in speaking at a high level, it feels like Genshin Impact, ever since version 3, you've been a little bit more on compared to two where you seemed like every single time you talked about how there was nothing to do are you excited for uh so 3.2 is launching in in the next week are you excited for this update and why i i'm actually yeah i'm actually i'm actually i actually wanted nahida actually i i said i was not interested in any of the characters before before the was a free point launch because i didn't really care about their designs too much but now <laughs> i end up like kind of like rolling every single character that kind of came out Except for Sino, I skip Sino. Why is because, that? Uh, we just don't care about dudes. That's that's a oh, okay. gotcha mentality. <laughs> All right, I mean that's honest enough. Uh, so why uh, why Nahida then? Uh, Nahida is uh, the Dendro Archon. So her backstory is actually kind of interesting. It's basically what happened in the was it the the Kingdom of Super uh, Sumeru is basically like the Kingdom of Alexandra in real life. It's like this library kingdom right and all these sages like collect their knowledge in this weird ass internet network <laughs> that they give to like the people that live there basically as soon as you go to sumaru they'll hand you these like google glasses called the akasha and it basically <laughs> steals all your personal data and it basically feeds into this library and the sage over there controls everything and the town's kind of like kind of really messed up in a way because the people that live there don't really worship their god. Instead, they treat her as a curse because uh, Nahida's backstory was there used to be like a greater god back in her time, but she gave up her life in order to make uh, Sumeru like reborn with life. And she reincarnated as this like kind of like a childish version of her. And because of that, the sages kind of like blame her for the death of their god. So she's kind of like outcasted in her own kingdom. That's kind of like the backstory of her. 
I remember it's like uh, because you have like a mobile game channel or Discord, and I know a lot of like the talk about Genshin's uh, recent patches. Like they, they just they kept talking about like, man, we just got like a full on like big ass JRPG, like in like one of like one of the recent patches. It's like it's just like a lot of like content and some of these these latest patch updates for that game. They actually do have a lot of content in these new patches. Like there's lots of places to explore. Uh, there's lots of things to do. So it's it's actually quite exciting for to be a Genshin player. But like so I basically, said, basically if you if you fell off during the version the version two updates, it sounds like it's worth it to push through to version three. Yes, uh, cool. there is a thing that they added in uh, in three point uh, that I never covered because we barely talk about Genshin during that time. Uh, there's a t- there's a thing that in the event thing that lets you instantly skip to Sumeru instead of like. Inazuma, where you have to do a shit ton of quests in order to get to Inazuma. You know, there's now an option to like let you automatically skip there if you reach a certain rank. So it's kind of like I don't know. It's like you're playing like Final Fantasy 14, yeah, and you just want to get yeah, you want to get storm blood, <laughs> but you don't want to go from Heaven's Word. It's just like oh, there's a bunch of instantly skip to storm blood. You know. Do we have to do the, all the binding coils of Bahamut to reach uh, the, this uh, storyline in Genshin? <laughs> I hope not, because I can't even <laughs> kill the first boss. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so basically they add, add that option for the people there. Um, what, what is there that I forgot to mention? Uh, let's see. I don't think we even went back to with, with the last Furious patch when Nilo came out, was it? I think that's even even like when it comes to revenue, everyone skipped uh, skip Sido to get uh, Nilo. So who's Nilo? Nilo is this uh, dancer that uh, works at this festival, and I think she's more than what she seems. Mm. Like she seems to be like very knowledgeable about all these kind of things, and maybe she might be royalty of some sort. I don't know. Who who knows? Like she just seems way more special than what she lets on. Uh, she she wears this uh, was it this kind of like this horn kind of crown over her, and she's like this dancer. And the reason why she wears this kind of like this dress is because she represents the flower goddess, or how she how the what the flower goddess used to look like. Uh, apparently, all these gods basically died during the war of the archons, so nobody can really tell you what they actually look like. But yeah. So that's basically Nilo. Uh, oh, like what do you like at the at the pace that Genshin is going? So like it is the, supposedly the finale to Sumeru's story. Like, like do you think this like next patch will just like this will completely wrap up Sumeru, and then now you guys are gonna be waiting like in this intermission period till the next arc? The the thing is about this this story, I don't exactly call it wrapping up Sumeru's uh, plot line. It's more like wrapping up like Inazuma's plot line, more like it. Oh, okay. There's this, uh, basically in the Raiden Shogun arc, uh, you find out this one villain guy named uh, Skarmush. Um, what is it? I'm trying to remember. Uh, he, he's like, kind of like this villain that has like electro powers and he works for the, the Fautui. And his backstory is that he's like this failed clone of Raiden Shogun. And now he's gone batshit insane and he's trying to get revenge. And he's going to be like the final boss of this Sumeru arc and they've been kind of setting him up. It's like, you forgot about this guy, you know, back when you finished Inazuma arc, right? And now he's coming well, back. Kinda, and not... 
Well, it's kind of neat that they're like tying the arcs together so that there's a little bit of like a cohesive tissue between them rather than them being completely divorced from one another. Yeah, like they, it's like it felt like, you know, it's like, hey, it's like you sell one problem, but you, you forgot there's there's another problem. So, mm-hmm. um, did you do you remember the right in Shogun arc story, um, Josh? Oh, I, I never played Genshin that far. Um, I so I don't know anything about anything outside of like the first two regions. Okay, it, let's just say Raiden Shogun is basically a neat. Let's say that. Okay, I I know I know there like the me uh, all the only the only thing I know about Raiden Shogun are the memes of her being a bad cook. Basically, how it goes is that there's two twin sister. Uh, one of them basically died during the Archon War, and then. This twin sister basically created clones of herself to do with all the war and politics and all that shit, and just kind of enclosed in her own own world. That's basically Raiden Shogun's storyline. So okay. It's like she's like a neat that's stuck in her own head, and she just basically let her clones to do whatever. Right. All I know is that uh, I have a good amount of friends and people I follow, and and even even in our community, there are a lot of fans of Raiden Shogun. That's all I know. Oh, uh, we do like the character, yeah. but like I said, she is a neat. That's basically it. It's basically your stereotype neat that likes light novels. That's that's a uh, Raiden yeah. Shogun's backstory in a nutshell. I know that she she pulls out like a, a lightning sword out of her cleavage. Yes, she does. Okay. Uh, but for those who are not terminally online, neat is short for not employed, edu- or not in employment, education, or training. Right. Basically, it. <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah, in the Wait, end what? of the story, so N E E T. It's like a person who stays home. They're not employed. They're not in education. Like they're not being like going to school or anything. And they're not in training. They're not basically they're not working towards anything. They're Just a think about it. Basically, yeah. think of this way: she's traumatized from the war. She doesn't want to deal with this shit. So she just kind of creates a clone to do her own politics and rule the land and all that shit. But what happens if these clones go haywire and become like a tyrant and shit? You know, and you're basically trying to get her. To fix it, right? And that's kind of like the plot arc for Raiden Shogun to basically undo the damage that her clones did. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go make a clone and then become a neat. They can do like, all this shit. Yeah. It's like, fuck up your reputation, I guess. I don't care. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of like her storyline. And she finally, like, overcome her terms and, like, she finally deal with her trauma with her uh, twin sister's death, you know? That's kind of like it. And like how the name goes is like you know how how she was called like Bale, and there is, uh, but I think that's like the Shogun name. I think that's like the Archon name, like you know Barbatos and and things or something like that. But anyways, yeah. are you are you expecting anything out of uh, Genshin uh, as like the end of the year is coming? Do you think they're working towards anything to the end of the year, or to, or you won't see anything significant till the next year? I, I don't know. I think. I think there's only one problem with Genshin is never a generous game because it feels more like it's so successful to the point that they don't have to treat their customer nice because they know that money always breaks in, right? Because I, I haven't seen like any quality of life improvements. Oh, yeah, well, okay, okay. Let's say, when was the last time you spent money on Genshin? When's the last time I spent money? Does buying a welcome pass count? Yes. Yes. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you already know that was bad. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I buy a welcome pass then. Yeah, then I've been buying a welcome pass for the last two months because I need enough rolls to get in the heater. Does this But uh, I told my friend that I I am gonna I'm gonna whale to mm-hmm. get a C2 in the heater because mm-hmm. it's gonna be the most broken combo you could use in the game besides the the national team. The national team is basically like. It's like basically everybody from Leiu with with uh, what is it? It's basically everybody from each region. That's basically the joke. That's why it's called a national team. You basically have uh, Ryan Shogun, you have Shang Lang, you have Sing Chu, you have Bennett, and with that four combination, you can destroy any boss in the abyss in less than two minutes. That's the meta. Max, yes, that is the meta. They call it the national mm. team because you know <laughs> that's an enduring name. I like that <laughs> one. You get like a person from each country, basically. Um, but yeah, I, I, so basically, with with this, there there'll be a different meta because the dendro element uh, has some really crazy shit. Basically, when lightning when lightning combines with dendro, the grass element, it, it creates this effect called uh, I think it's called bloom. And what happens with bloom is like this. It's like imagine your chain lightning effects being like a giant foreign and it just fucking hurts like hell and Nahida is like this giant like bloom spreader so you have like the bloom effect for the entire field and you have someone else like that could spam lightning or water it's like all kinds of crazy shit will happen and that's why everyone is obsessed with trying to get Nahida right now like I am I am um, in dangerous territory I am on the Genshin Impact fandom wiki learning about elemental oh, reactions no. <laughs> It, it, it could be a meta changer. Basically. It is the hydro dendro elemental reaction. So and apparently there's there's hyper bloom. I'm gonna I'm gonna close this tab. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next, yeah. Next thing you know, Brian's gonna be like a fucking I'm a fucking Genshin lore master. I'm installing it right now. <laughs> when, uh, it, when, it, when it releases on Switch, I'll play it. Yeah. Uh, when the Switch Pro comes out, Genshin Impact Strongest Warrior. Excited to play it for the first time. Wow. Know, well, so that'll that'll come out on the what did I say the third, so within the next week. So depending on whether or not you're ready to talk about it, we might hear your result, your thoughts uh, next weekend. You want me to stream my polls? Yeah, uh, I guess. sure. Yes. If if sure. I'm online, I will I will head uh, into the chat room and watch you pull for <laughs> Nahida. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I'm I'm, I'm pulling for you, Chow. Don't worry, my friend just spent three thousand dollars in Nilo. He wants to flex on me to prove that he's the ultimate water god. Because Nilo apparently have this uh, passive ability that the more you wail on her, she basically has this this crit buff that's based on her HP. So he's trying to get her to like seventy k HP to get like this ultimate crit buff. I'm really happy for you and your friend. You know what? With, with strong waters <laughs> like you and your friend. Um, uh, Yo will never have to worry. And he sleep. told me that it's like I'm only wailing this hard because I want you to write an article on how much I love Dilo. And I'm like, this is never happening, bro. You 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 have to run that by Alex. I'm sure. Is, is that is that how it works? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell my friends that. Like, hey, I'm gonna write an article if you will this much. <laughs> the next piece of news I have here was something uh, again very different from our previous conversations for our different headlines. This is something I was not expecting at all. And that is an announcement for a second season pass for Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous. So this is the CRPG that released last year from Alcat Games 
They also made Pathfinder Kingmaker, and they're currently working on uh, Warhammer Rogue Trader. And this game, over the last 12 months, has been going through its releases for its first season pass, which, like I did with Kingmaker, I was sort of like tentatively planning to revisit the game once all the DLC had come out. You know, I don't want to reload it up every time. I'd rather just have it all come out in like one bulk and experience it all. So with Kingmaker, I actually did that. I, I played the game once, then all the DLC came out and I played it a second time. And I even wrote up like my my revised thoughts on the game. So with Wrath of the Righteous, it seems like they're having enough success with their continuing support that they're just saying, here's the second season pass. I have not followed the first season pass, so I don't really know like how each of those. I know one of them had like some sort of like procedurally generated mode. There was an additional class. Um, I think there was a part that actually extended the main story. We got a high level overview about the DLCs for the second season pass. One of them is a new party member and a new class. One of them is a sequel campaign to one of the dlcs previously and then one of them is kind of a it looks more like a festival holiday kind of like more higher levity uh addition to the game but long story short like this i thought was really surprising for a game that i didn't think too highly of but i am willing to like give the benefit of the doubt and revisit but i'm just going to continue waiting until now all this second set of dlc comes out so it sounds like they've really been working hard on path Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous, and they're really adding a lot to it. But the fact that they've announced they don't even have titles for these DLCs yet. They're just calling them DLCs 4, 5, and 6. And we don't know, obviously, the release cadence on these. But I don't know. It was kind of unexpected and interesting to see. And maybe in a year, once these are all out, I'll play through all of these at once and provide you with my actual feedback. Now, remind me. It is interesting. um, Pathfinder Kingmaker was published by uh prime matter right um, i think it depends on the deep PC silver console versions well i'm on the steam page and it says prime matter okay that's the enhanced plus edition so i don't know if that also affects things but Wait, i know that enhanced said, plus edition that's what it says uh. enhanced plus edition um but anyways i know they said in the video that like since wrath of the righteous is self-published right at least the pc version they are I guess it's oh yeah it says meta publishing now okay meta publishing and Alcat so, so the publishing on these is kind of weird but I know they said in the video that like they have more control over this game to like add more DLCs or whatnot whereas it's it seemed to imply that like for the first game they'd have to like get approval or whatever to do it where here they just can the developing the development team can just decide to do a second season pass on their own so the publishing is weird it's yeah. it's not the same publisher. In any case, so basically, I'm looking. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this tab too. I was looking at the Pathfinder Kingmaker store page. Like someone's actually asking, "What's in the Enhanced Edition and what's in the Plus Edition?" And then there's, and there's also an Imperial Edition. So I'm like, "All right, I'm just gonna wait until <laughs> Wrath of the Righteous has all of its ducks in a row and has everything added, and then I'll just just tell me which which box I get figuratively, and I'll and then I'll get it, and then I'll, I'll let you know how I feel." Um, yep. Yep. So I thought Kingmaker was the better game. Wrath of the Righteous was still good, especially if you really like just that style of CRPG, because we're not getting as many these days, at least not from the high profile publishers. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess we'll just continue to monitor when those DLCs come out. And then at some point, I'll play through that again and let you know what I think. So that's probably more than a year out. And we'll let's see if it was worth it. 
And I'm also interested in, in playing Rogue Trader once that comes out because uh, it's it'll be my first foray into Warhammer yeah, at all. Warhammer expert Brian, like I know everything about Warhammer <laughs> now. <laughs> I'll finally be able to have a conversation with CD about Warhammer. All right, uh, those are that's kind of it for like the bigger news. We got a few um, release dates and a few uh, a few gameplay trailers here, and then a few other announcements. So we'll just kind of roll through these. This one's kind of interesting, but I can't really drum up any genuine excitement for this. A couple weeks ago, we finally learned about the new release date for Marvel Midnight Suns. Uh, it's releasing in early December on the 2nd, uh, at least for PC and current-gen consoles. Oh, that was after they had announced that it was releasing like this fiscal year or whatever they called it. Um, but we did also get an announcement ahead of release of the base game for their season pass content which basically, like, a, this is uh, obviously a Marvel property, so it seems like a lot of this is trying to tie loosely into the current ongoing, you know, popularity of that cinematic universe. So they've announced that four new playable characters are coming in as part of their um, DLC pack, and they are Deadpool, Venom, Storm, and Morbius. Let's go! Kind of fun, I suppose. Morb. <laughs> it's Morbin time. And then they also <laughs> announce all the... the they also announced a bunch of skins, and those that watched uh, Scott's preview video that's up on our YouTube for Marvel Midnight Suns, it seems like cosmetic skins, the way that they're implemented in this game, is very deliberate and a little bit strange. Um, they they kind of just gave us a bulleted list of all the different skins, like Iron Man, Iron Knight skin, uh, Wolverine, Logan skin. So I guess if you're a really big Marvel fan, you'll enjoy this, but I'm the sort of person that I almost always play with default skins. I talked about that with Xenoblade and, and a few other places. So that list doesn't really excite me, but this is just the usual thing where it's hard for me to get excited for DLC announcements, especially on a cosmetic scale before the game's even announced. But I guess yeah, I get it. I, That's the business. It is, you know, it's always kind of like that weird murky territory of like before the game comes out, you release all like you, you have already your season pass lined up and all your DLC plans lined up, especially for like, uh, like you know, the, these characters have, you know, fan bases, you know. Like Venom, mm -hmm. very popular character. Storm, very popular character. Deadpool, very popular character. Morbius, um, popular for Iron reasons. ironic choice. <laughs> popular Ironically <for> popular character. <laughs> um, you know, but and the the it's a, it's and you know I'm sure a good amount of people are like, well, I might as well just wait for all of them to come out because like there's uh, there's all DLCs going to be gradually distributed over next year. Like the the, the oh yeah, they, for, these aren't one DLC. This is the four different DLCs, one for each character. Yeah, and and they're so, not coming out at the same time. Like in the trailer, they said that the Deadpool DLC is gonna be early twenty twenty three. You know, so mm -hmm. and so you know, it's kind of a, a weird thing. But the 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 character are, are are in the artwork for the announcing. This is really cool. They have like Deadpool wearing like a wizard hat in it, which is fun. So, uh, I'm still you know looking forward to this game. I I wanna. Hopefully it's good, man. Like I really want to like it. I think it has a lot of potential to to be something cool. But yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the just the news about it. it's like hey, there's more characters coming to it. If you if you decide to return to it after after playing through it, or if you decide to just wait on it until they all come out, we got an announcement of another new Pokemon. So this will be pretty brief. This one is a ghost dog Pokemon name grievard am i pronouncing that right grievard i can't maybe my brain is dumb but what is this a pun of or is it just graveyard sort of but then i, I don't i don't get the dog uh, yeah then I, don't, I just don't get the dog tie-in i don't know 
I don't know. I all I know is it's like a, it's a cute little pup with a candle on its head. Mm-hmm. And then it burrows underground, so all you see is the candle. My favorite thing about this, I forget if it was Twitter or what, but it was like, what if Hanna Barbara, like from old like eighties cartoons, designed a Pokemon? That's what I first thought when I saw it. And I'm glad that someone else said it because it's like, yeah. am I the only one who sees the Hanna Barbera like kind of style to it? Oh, I don't yeah. know. It's like the jagged mouth line, I guess, sort of. And then, like the droopy you can't hair. See his eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely the curvature of the nose with the, with the jagged mouth line that reminds you of uh, Hanna Barbera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there, there's a, there's a whole. It, it's a lot, and I, I I love it. And any teenager listening to this podcast now is like, who? I know. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, I don't want to explain the Hanna Barbera. Is I'm not ready for that. I do enjoy that it's. Uh... Um, Grievard will slowly and inadvertently absorb the life force of those around it, so it's best not to play with it too much. So it's like it tries to make friends and then just leeches your life force away because these Pokemon can't just be cute. They'll always have a Pokedex entry that you're like, wait, what? <laughs> when you read it twice. No, what I will, I will assume responsibility for it. It can drain my life force. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a sort of an announcement, another blog post from uh, Bioware for the upcoming Dragon Age Dreadwolf. I wish this was a bigger headline than it is, but it's not. So in this new blog post, Gary McKay, the general manager of Bioware, says that Dragon Age Dreadwolf has completed its alpha milestone and is now playable from start to finish. But just like the Witcher announcement, this wasn't accompanied with art or music or anything else other than really that statement. And I don't, I try, I'm trying not to be dismissive, but uh, th- th- it's a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. They talk about how they can evaluate the game's pacing, how they can look at like the narrative choice re- results and the player progression, but there's just nothing to like latch onto or tether it to with the public post. I think it's a little odd to like kind of give us like updates like this, like uh, during their development. Like I kind of get that, like they're on some level, it's like transparency. But it's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't, I kind of don't, if you have like really nothing to show yet for this game, like that's tangible, but like people that will, people will engage with, like when they actually like play the video game, like I don't need to know, like, I don't, I don't need, I don't need a progress report of like, hey, we uh, got done with like the, the sound effects of like this town. And it's like, okay, cool. I guess, <laughs> you know, well, like, well, I, guess... I even wish they had a, like, even just like a new concept art. Cause I, I, even when I'm like trying to like post this news update on Twitter, it's like, oh, I can just use the same art, like the singular art that we've had since 2018 or the logo or like one other piece of concept art that we have. There's, there's or you like, just like, on, give us something to look at from like, from other like Bioware or Dragon Age like novels or whatever to be like I'm yeah. just borrowing from your other stuff because I don't have anything here and I don't want to be too dismissive because the behind the scenes stuff I think could be good like literally show even if you don't detail it like the generation of the dialogue trees or or something like but I know you have to be careful there but I'm just trying to I just wish there was something more than them just telling us the update they show us something even if that something is like rudimentary or crude or at least like detailing what they're doing this is just saying believe us we're doing this this and this now we've reached yeah. we've reached this milestone yeah it's just like it's it's really weird for me i'm just like just take the time that you need and when you have something to show that like that's like substantial like you know then show it 
then it's time. Mm-hmm. You know, I I really don't need. I really I really hope there's like kind of like the last one of these that we get because I don't want to I don't want want to see more of this thing if you have nothing to show. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I don't need a progress report. We're, we're we're not in school. It's okay. Uh, we got a new trailer from Square Enix about a January RPG for Spoken. Uh, so this trailer is a gameplay focused trailer specifically focused on magic parkour. parkour. And that's actually like the title of that that branch of magic in the game. Yeah. So this is like I, a free actually the, 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 I don't know that like surprised me, but it's just kind of like, oh, it's not just like seemingly parkour. They're literally categorizing it as these are parkour abilities. That's like what it's actually called. Like, oh, okay. Mm. So they basically go through each of these, like there's like shimmy and then there's like leap and then there's shimmy. like tether and i'm and i might get i might be getting some of these names wrong but it i think it's actually a decent trailer i think the focus is a bit specific and this is the first of i of a, i guess three deep dives i think the it's, it's, they say in the description they're basically going to be really releasing one a week so that over the next two weeks we'll get two more trailers i believe mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, so, I mean that's cool i mean I, I like movement options so highlighting mm-hmm. this is like like uh, i my, my hope for this game is like is that is it is as fast as Star Ocean, you know. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, everything like, goes it, back it, to Star Ocean because I I love the fast paced nature of that game, and uh, this this game really wants to do like you know evoke that feeling of like hey you can move around uh, very very uh, quickly, um, and that's sure you know I I hope this game is good. I, I I think the more I think the more they show of its gameplay and less of like everything else, like the yeah. more I'm interested in it. <laughs> Just, just don't have the main character talk. Don't give me the story premise about the Isekai uh, stuff. Is, just, is, is, just, is, just, is just show me the ex- uh, either. <laughs> I guess <it's> probably, yeah, <laughs> skip all the cutscenes. <laughs> they talk a little bit about how these uh, abilities will also synergize with the combat as well, uh, at least at a high level. One thing that I did kind of groaning is too strong a word, but they talk about how you can upgrade your uh, parkour abilities. And then there's like a little UI prompt that says like, congrats, you use shimmy 50 times. Oh, and yeah. like, oh, is, 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 is that like the, the level of engagement? It's like, I don't know. Like you could have done something more interesting than that. But of course it's a very quick snip from a trailer. So I don't want to like embellish. But I saw that, that too, where it's like, oh, are we going to have to like, like fill like checklists of like doing this so many times that like power yeah, up you've, you've done something. you've done shimmy 50 times now you can do shimmy too and it goes 10 I mean, percent further or, or whatever shimmy? yeah the skill is literally called shimmy yeah it's like, a, like it's like a quick title. leap it's like a leapy thing that's what they should do for street fighter 5 child like that every time when you, on your 100th shimmy you're like oh congrats you've done your 100th shimmy in the middle of that <laughs> Hey, they give you rewards in Street Fighter V already for landing certain things, okay? <laughs> you're quite funny for landing, like, 20 critical arts, okay? Did this show you in the middle of the battle, like, uh, just right there? It's like, congratulations! Usually after the match, over. I mean, it'll be too distracting. Imagine if you keep getting an achievement no fire while, like, the match is happening. It'll be they, so should like the, they should have, like, the Call of Duty level up sound effects in the middle of, like, a Street Fighter V battle. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be so annoying. Be like dead for the distraction. That's what they should do for Force Smoking as well. <laughs> and the rest of the headlines here are mostly the uh, release dates or release windows. Uh, the first one is we have an Xbox console release date for Sword and Fairy Together Forever. Uh, this was originally Sword and Fairy Seven. 
wouldn't release on PC and then later on PlayStation. But then I guess for the uh, console versions, they gave it that extra subtitle. So just kind of cool that we have, you know, Xbox usually ends up being like the lone man out for some of these. Uh, I don't want to say JRPG because it's Chinese, but uh, Eastern RPG releases outside of their like normal uh, catalog of Microsoft published titles but it's kind of cool that this is making its way over to xbox would be interesting to see how well it does and if they end up like boosting it on its game plus platform or not uh adam we're getting a dlc so, for steel rising launching on november 10th this is i wonder if my i wonder if my files works now that they oh yeah <laughs> i forgot that your pre-release file was busted you're obligated to cover Calist- caligostro's secrets how do you pronounce that aglio Caligostro. <laughs> Uh, I can't G speak is Italian. Like silent. <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah, story DLC for Steel Rising. Um, I I suppose we'll see if we follow up on that. Yeah, it sounds like so I the game know. itself is like uh, separated into you know sections. So it kind of just like it feels basically like we left one of these sections out for DLC. So it's just gonna be like another which is the worst. Zone. Which is the worst sort of DLC? Where it's just like here's something that is just segmented away that could have been its own thing. We don't do anything interesting with it, but here it is. It's more of the same. But I guess I'll say that that's my impression. I don't know if that's true. Uh, we're getting an update this December for Fantasy Star Online Two New Genesis, where they're adding the fourth region, Stia S T I A. I think me and Kite are the only two on the site that really keep up to date on Fantasy Star Online too. Uh, the that's last more three than regions, most outlets, so <laughs> that's that's, that's true. Uh, all the other regions, I, we're all just they're just themed differently. One's a forest, one's a desert, one's a frozen tundra. That's pretty much it. So I don't I don't actually know what Stia is, but they haven't really done anything more interesting than that. I'll just leave it at that. If this is, actually ends up becoming something more interesting, then I'll follow up once it's out. They also did update that um, they're adding like personal housing of some sort oh, yeah. at a very high okay. level to, in uh, next spring. How are they doing what personal are they housing in that game? Is it like, is it like, do you know, like if it's like a persistent throughout the world or is it like, no, it's, it's they're in um in Fantasy Star Online two the base game which takes place all on a on a ship that's literally why they call them ship one ship two for the servers, yeah. you have like a personal quarters which is completely instanced, one hundred percent where you could you you could uh, you could get like different like mini games and everything put in there and things like that, and it sounds like they're calling it in Fantasy Star Online two New Genesis the creative space, which it seems like it's just uh, a new way to have customizable personnel and alliance quarters, so basically your guild hall or whatever equivalent but i mean i'm expecting it to be completely instanced where you'll select it from a menu and then you'll be able to decorate or theme it or things like that which is still something but it's just kind of like fantasy or star online 2 already had this so this is this is basically just the announcement that they're going to have an equivalent feature in it's, the new genesis it, it's like yeah new genesis is so weird because like a lot of its updates is like yeah they're just kind of following the timeline of dso2 to a certain extent of like content updates yep they're even doing the same thing with like the class announcements like they recently announced the the waker which is basically their version of the um, I, I'm I'm blanking what the class was the 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 pet class in Fantasy Star Online too. Summoner it's slightly different. Yeah. Summoner, that's it. Yeah, it's slightly different, but it's thematically the same. Um, one thing that they did pretty well is a couple months ago they released a new uh, gameplay mode called the Geometric Labyrinth, but it basically died on release because it didn't have matchmaking. You had to go with pre-planned parties. Uh, which if you're in an alliance, maybe you can do, but if you're yeah. mostly a solo player, we're like, well, damn, like, I guess I can shout in map chat if anyone wants to join me. But now that the content's old, like, that's good luck with that. They also added something new 
recently called the Ordinal Tower, which the name of it doesn't really matter. But hey, they added matchmaking now. So it's like, I guess they're, they are learning from their uh, experiences, but I just I don't know if it just matters. Um, so yeah, I won't linger on this too long. One, I, I will play through this, but... So th this game recently, like, th it has cross-platform between PC, Xbox, and PlayStation now, I, think, I guess, right? I think it does, yeah. The, have you seen, have you seen, on P yeah, have you seen, like, the uh, like the population, like, grow since its PlayStation release? I don't, I don't have a, enough, like, like, a, a point of view to know if it's grown or not, but I just will say, every time I'm in any of the game's, like, hub areas, I see plenty of players, so it's, it seems like it's doing fine, uh, at least from a, from a very casual perspective, but can't really okay. judge whether they're seeing what the return that they wanted to see on the on a recent PlayStation release and things like that. The main I think the main weakness for New Genesis is that it's so combat focused and that's it. Everything is just a new reason to go like base it's basically Final Fantasy 14 I've played enough of which is very little to understand how the fate system works which is basically just going to an area that's marked on the map fighting some enemies at a very high level. Maybe it's changed in recent Final Fantasy 14 updates. And it's it's fine for like a diversion, but it, it's not something that can really carry a game in an interesting way. And that's that's what New Genesis is, is basically fates over and over and over and over. It's basically just going to a region on the map and fighting a bunch of enemies and going to a region on the map and fighting a bunch of enemies. And sometimes you can extract a little bit more uh, fun out of it by changing up your classes or, or whatever. But it just doesn't have any more meat to the bones. It's just fast food in a way. I still play it, so I must I must find something decent about it that I keep logging in. But uh, or maybe I'm just hoping that it gets better, but uh, it just hasn't, unfortunately. I don't think. Continuing into releases, uh, we did get a release date for Wolong Fallen Dynasty. I'm glad this one is. Well, well I said earlier in a podcast that like, there's, don't put any more games in February. And they're like, okay, we won't. Uh, we'll put barely. it March third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Wolong Fallen Dynasty, this is the new action game from uh, the team behind Neo. Uh, had the uh, limited time demo a few weeks back, or a month back or so, that Josh and James both gave their feedback on. Team Ninja and Koei Tecmo have announced that it is it is launching on March 3rd, 2023. So yeah, it's like, hooray, it's in March, but it's still like within the first 10 weeks of the year. So it's still a very, very packed time of the year. It's March of uh, 2023 begins soon. May God help so, us all. I'm off the top of my head, uh, in February and January and whatnot, we have Fire Emblem, we have Forspoken, we have Octopath Traveler, we have Wolong, uh, I know there's um, Atelier Rise of 3, I know there's another February release, what am I forgetting? Uh, Wild Hearts? Galleria. Oh yeah, Labyrinth of Galleria. And Wild Hearts, yes. Uh, like Wild a Hearts. Dragon Ishin. Oh yeah, like a Dragon. Goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a couple of those uh, games will be delayed out. Maybe, actually, maybe would they? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone likes February <laughs> these days, dude. Remember, remember that 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 February a few years back with Near Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, uh, because of the Switch launch. Oh yeah, that. uh theatrism as well, and oh, that's just RPGs because there's also like the newest Destiny Two expansion. The, I know. Uh, uh, Trails of the Jura is March, a little yeah. later. No. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh god. Well, you know. Yeah. Well, luckily, Adam, you're uh, the only one that needs to play that. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, you got three games to play before next summer, before Reverie. Are you going to do it? Gonna uh, I'm just going to jump in. No, there we go. Know, no. you just, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Just fuck it. I agree. You'll just watch the. You'll just. You'll just pull a chat and watch the YouTube synopsis. No, just go into it blind. <laughs> Who cares? Okay. 
Fuck story. Skip all the cutscenes. <laughs> play with play, play the gameplay. Just like in Forspoken and in uh, Star Ocean 4. Yep. Just like. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what Adam told me back in Star Ocean 5, just don't even watch a story. That tells you mm-hmm. a lot. But, yeah, I mean, sure. and then they also released uh, you know, the demo feedback that they got from Wolong um, and a, a list of changes that they're going to make uh, for the final release. You know, obviously, the ones that are needed, like uh, kind of tweaking the lock-on targeting system to make it more uh, tight and function properly. The, a funny one that I saw was, like, when you fall into a pit in that game, it won't immediately kill you. It'll just, like, spawn you back to a nearby platform and... Um, taking off a bit of your HP for that. I'm like, okay, I guess. I thought it was just like by design. I didn't. You didn't have to change that, in my opinion. But I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, uh, I'm. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Wolong it was a blast in its demo, and if they if they continue c- continue on the right path, then it's going to be something special. Now, a game that we talked about in a couple places uh, back when it was announced in a Japanese Nintendo Direct back in February is a game from Marvelous called Loop 8. And I, I'm i having difficulty parsing, was this game ever officially announced for the West? Oh, yeah, yeah it was uh, back in yes, September or so, was. a month ago or so. It took a while, though. It, it, it's funny gotcha. because the very moment they announced this, everyone was like, oh, yeah, this is getting localized. The reason it was getting an Xbox version in Japan. Yeah, <laughs> is Good that what gives it away? Time. Yes. Yeah. So it is. A, it is releasing. Uh, so I'm looking back at some of our older headlines. We got the announcement that it is releasing in the West in spring 2023 for Switch, Xbox, PlayStation 4, and PC. The news from this week is that we got a release date for Japan. It is releasing on March 16th. The PC version is releasing on the 21st. And even though it's not officially official adam you think that the pc version the fact that that's launching on the 21st you're surmising that that means no, that's you believe the japanese press date? release literally says the pc reversion is being released by xseed games on march 21st yeah the japanese press release basically like announced it on their end and then but xseed actually hasn't said anything yeah so. it's very weird and bizarre that like xseed actually hasn't like commented on it like i, I thought it was like one of those things like oh they'll just like t- announce it the next day because of time yeah, zone. because of timing right yeah because nope. of this came out like you know uh, during night for us and then just like it's been like over a week and like xseed's like yeah uh, oh. <laughs> sure, i guess so there's still no steam page right up but you know the the marvelous japan has said you know this will be coming out on march 21st on steam Handled by Exceed Games, so it stands to reason that's also going to be the release date uh, in the West. Uh, Unless Exceed does a weird like, we're, we will publish the game in, on PC, but it's going to be Japanese only, and then we'll patch in English later. I mean, God, yeah, holy <laughs> Dude, if, if, yeah, if they if they do that, that because this becomes a trend. I don't know. I'm gonna fucking lose. It. <laughs> that's probably. Weird. I I'm gonna make a prediction here. Within a year. NIS America is going to do that for the Japanese version of Kuro 1 on PC. I could see it. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, yeah. I mean, if that makes the production pipeline easier for them, sure. That makes sense. It's just weird. Um, I I would have to assume also, like, I guess we're kind of like, if you're going to distribute it like that, obviously this doesn't relate to Loop 8 because they're not probably going to release it like that. but. 
Would if they when they announce when they release the English patch for Nayuda, will that come back up to the Steam's front page when they do that? Which is yeah, I I don't know about that. I was actually I have a buddy of mine that um ended up uh, working for Ans America, and I asked him, so what's going to happen with that? Is it going to because it's going to be an update? So like for review codes, would you just have a separate branch? So even though the translation's finished, and he was like. I don't know. I think we need to talk about that. I don't think they know yet. Yeah, because because being on the Steam's front page makes a gigantic, humongous difference for like potential sales. Um, for example, just this past week, Relayer Advance stealthily came out on Steam and didn't get uh, onto the front page for whatever reason. And the uh, initial sales for that game have been uh, abysmal, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but that's only breaking off of, like Steam charts, Steam DB type numbers, you know. So it obviously doesn't tell the whole story, but you know, not being on the Steam front page when you release um, is a very it'll impact sales, obviously, because getting burned out on that is not easy. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I'm go- I'm going to Steam charts for Relayer Advanced and seeing. Is it better than Neo: The World Ends? With you? It's absolutely better than Neo: The World Ends with you. Uh, <laughs> that that was a crater. Layer advanced, nineteen in-game now. All forty-six. Holy shit! I'm gonna oh. find something. Legend of the Utah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were roboting. What to do is better than that. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. What did you say though? What was the max current count? 46. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Very bad. <laughs> yeah. It's like the dev team. Like <laughs> playing their own game. This is just the beta testers. So yeah, I just I just don't understand like how you don't get the how don't you don't get it to the front page. You should try to at least you know push for that at the very least. Because it's it's so hard like getting eyes on it if you're not on that front page. But yeah, they they showed another trailer for Loop 8 when they announced like the Japanese release date. The second trailer that has a lot more gameplay footage. It's still shaping up to be pretty interesting. Like I really, really want to play this game. It it it, it looks like my type of jam. So uh, another yeah, March release. Yeah, yeah, your typical like uh, like selectable dialogue choices of the characters, a little bit of uh, combat gameplay. You know, uh, like I like the like the. 2D portraits, like in in um, when you're interacting with them, I don't know yet about the 3D portraits because sometimes they're okay and sometimes they're kind of they they look kind of off. I wonder how it'll shape up um, when you're actually playing it though. Hopefully it's cool. Hopefully it's cool. I want to check out this game. Here's something that's a little bit out of nowhere, but I believe it came out of the Fallout 25th anniversary news. So over the last like couple of weeks, the Fallout series has been celebrating its 25th anniversary in a lot of different ways and not not culminating in any major like game related announcements, but just some crossovers and some merch and things like that. However, we did get an announcement that Fallout 4 will be getting a next gen update next year in 2023 for PlayStation 5, Xbox series. And then some of these updates will be incorporated into the PC release as well. So not a lot of details other than that. It just says prepare for the future. These are including performance mode features, higher frame rates, quality, 4K resolution, things like that. So it basically, if you haven't played Fallout 4 yet, next-gen version coming next year. Um, And it also includes an update to the PC version. Brian, how do you feel about, like, all these recent games, like, you know, also getting the prioritized image quality, prioritized frame rate, like, options on PC? without any like clear indication of what it affects. 
I'm okay with them being like uh, sets. Like I forget. Like if you're in the, if you're in a settings menu and you want to choose like a preset, but then show me what that preset does. Like oh, if I set prioritize frame rate and it turns shadow quality to low, that makes sense. Like I kind of want to see that. I don't want to just pick blindly. I suppose. Yeah. Shout out. To I kind of like Capcom who uh, in their graphic settings menu will show you like in a preview window exactly what the uh, options will change. Right. It's also yeah, something that uh, Durante's team does really well on, their, on his PC ports is in his little config menu. He says, hey, you want to turn on uh, this ambient occlusion feature? Well, this is what it looks like in game. And, and a lot of games don't have that. So yeah, shout out I, I, kind of, I kind of wish this was like more standardized and a more widespread practice because I, th I think it, it makes sense to like just be as transparent as possible <laughs> with that kind of stuff, like just kind of showing players like what it looks like. So yeah, I, I, like it, that's like I, I was really reminded because like when you, when you first boot up uh, Star Ocean, the Divine Force on PC, it like has that prioritized frame rate, prioritized image quality. I was like, oh yeah, those options that are on these current gen consoles are now also uh, more prevalent in games now on PC as well. Well, for me, like I'm the sort of person that like I I picked one, and then I just when I did with any PC game. I immediately went into the settings menu and just looked at it like and poked at it. But I suppose if you just want it to run and you just like you just want to set it and go, it's it's valuable just to say, OK, prioritize frame rate. OK, let's go. If you want to. It makes sense for like consoles, but like for PC, like that's not always like the the full picture, right? Because on consoles, like that will do something different. Like if you do prioritize image quality, like then you're getting the 30 FPS cap on consoles. But if you mm -hmm. say prioritize image quality on PC, that doesn't that doesn't put it on a 30 fps cap you can still bump it up to 60 on pc but it just lowers some other settings that you assume that they curated for you or something so yeah, yeah. i for me i just i just kind of i made a selection and ignored it went back into the settings menu and just looked at what the options yeah. were yeah so, so yeah I, I just yeah as long as i as long as i i do prioritize image quality i go, go into the settings options and as long as it's like it is running at least at 60 fps on pc like i'm genuinely fine there's no like arbitrary 30 fps cap that like by by selecting one of those options will incur or something. And then next year we are getting a new wizardry title. Wizardry variant. Yeah, so the title is called Wizardry Variants Daphne is a free-to-play mobile RPG set to release in 2023. And pre-registration is now available on the official website and there's an official Twitter account. I've not played a wizardry game, but the fact that a wizardry game has pre-registration just reads weird to me. Am I alone in that? Or is that just the world we live in now? There's a That's couple just, weird things about this game. Yeah. One, it has like... I So the, there's actually like um, or a trailer from like a year ago or maybe like 18 months ago that shows like more like 3D models and cutscenes and like animations. And I'm like... This doesn't look like wizardry to me. Wizardry is static portraits and yeah. and like there's little effects. Um, but yeah, like how like I don't know how you make a wizardry game free to play. Uh, I have no idea how the others going like, to work either. It's kind of I don't know how you monetize this. Yeah, it's like you. I guess you could do like characters, but hey. is there a dungeon crawling free to play mobile game somewhere like this? I don't know. I, I'm sure there is, but I don't know exactly how they monetize it. I mean, it. I can like sort of imagine it, like, oh, you can roll for a cool character that has good skills, or, or maybe, maybe it's like weapons or, maybe, or uh, something. But it's you just roll like, for items. I don't think <laughs> I'm trying to think of a free-to-play mobile dungeon crawler. Like, 
nothing comes to mind. Okay, so. uh, Brian, you don't know if Wizard agrees for you. I have four important questions. They're just yes or no questions, okay? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Do you like grinding enemies over and over, hoping for a, a 1% quest item to drop? I played Final Fantasy Twelve. Hell no. Do you enjoy having your party one-shot due to uh, unlucky RNG? Nope. You enjoy going back and forth between two tiles hoping against hope that one of the enemies will drop a map for the next section. Nope. Trying to remember how maps worked. Oh, fine. Do you enjoy enjoy making your own maps uh, with with pen and grid paper? I like the idea of it, but I don't know if I was actually forced to in practice if I would actually enjoy it. It's one of those things like, oh, that could be fun, but I don't know how fun it would actually be. So that's a maybe. If you answered yes to these, then you will love this game. If you don't, then <laughs> you'll find it terrible and tedious. I'm trying to remember. I played Wizardry Labyrinth of Lost Souls, which was like a PS2 game that got a random random PC port like three years ago. And I remember something about the maps in that one like irritated me. I just can't remember specifically what it was. If it was yeah. like a drop or something, I forgot that was like PS2 or PS3 because I know there's also PS3, yeah. But yeah, these games are uh, they're very brutal dungeon uh, crawlers. It's like you, they are they are definitely um, old school. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, up to this point, I don't know how that da- uh, variance Daphne is gonna be, but uh, Wizard is even mean also. Oh, oh fuck it. <laughs> But they they've uh, they don't really compromise when it comes to their like old school like design uh, gameplay design. But I don't know how this one's gonna go because this uh, this one's a weird one being a free to play mobile game. But yeah, this this one's uh, I mean it's cool that Wizardry is back, especially with um what was the 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 five ordeals? The you know Wizardry is kind of, yeah all- that one that one it got its update right, so I yeah. should play it. Yeah, I should play it. Yeah, it released on Steam a while ago, but then got its uh, English patch. Is that what it yeah. was? Yeah, they even have like an official manual, uh, like on the Steam like guide page. From, the Wizardry like, IP situation is weird, though. Like, I think Draycom, who is the publisher of this mobile game, they are the ones with the IP right now. And I remember, like, with Five Ordeals game when it was first announced, they had to like almost like backtrack it or delay it because of the IP reasoning. And then they somehow must have worked something out, but it's weird. Yep, so Wizardry Variants Daphne will release in 2023. Uh, there's a new official website, Twitter, um, teaser video, all that stuff. And that covers us for the news. So I part of me feels like I should apologize for the fact that it was like a bit scattershot, but hey, we don't make that itinerary. But a little bit of a, all over the place. It was kind of fun to get some Western news out of a CD Projekt and I suppose Bioware, even though we wish they had more to show. As we've been kind of venting about, it sounds like the first three months of next year are going to be completely packed. So thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please uh, let us know on whether you're listening on Spotify or on our uh, YouTube channel or on our uh, any of the podcast services, let us know. Give us a rating. Tell, tell us what we're doing well. Let us know what we could be doing better on. Uh, all of the reviews that we talked about, Batora Lost Haven, Asteragos, and Lost Idolans are up on the site, as well as all of the uh, all of the news posts, including all the translation work done by Kite for the Disgaea 7 blog post. Uh, you can find RPG Site on all the social media platforms, primarily on Twitter. Just search for RPG Site, and you should be able to find us. We have a Discord room. Just do uh, discord.gg slash RPG site if you're interested in joining that. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the TetraCast. Well, we might have more follow-up thoughts on Star Wars and the Divine Force. Are there any um, early November releases that are 
uh, that come into the window uh, by next week, or it might be a week after. Is, uh, Harvestella is next Friday, so it'll have just released. All right, so if anyone's on that day zero, day one, we might have a look in on that, but it might not be until the next week where we get into things like uh, uh, Pokemon and Tactics Ogre and Pentiment that we uh, have those games come up on to our radar. Look forward to those discussions, and thank you again so much for listening. Until you hear from us next time, stay safe, take care. We'll talk to you then.